Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Wednesday installment of the program. Our Wednesday is always brought to you by our friends at AC Design Company. You need heating and cooling, the best in the business, my friends, from AC Design. Frangie, Carly, and Brooks, RJ Saunders with you as we embark on another final week of the season. Yeah, I heard you at the handoff. You I'm think, ready. You think time to go take care of business. Yeah. There's business and business. This is business. I've got Christian Kirk practicing. Yes. I've got Trevor Lawrence practicing. Uh, both on the same day? And uh, Same field? Same field? Yeah. Wow. And all I can tell you is wow. Tennessee has a problem Ooh. on Sunday. A big problem. I think the Jaguars are going to go up there and just absolutely destroy them. Do we call what Trevor Lawrence was doing practicing if he's not throwing the football? Well, he's out there moving around. <laughs> no, he was. Yeah. I thought didn't I thought I saw a video of him throwing. He didn't throw. I don't know that he's he going to throw, throw much, he but throw? but oh. he you know he's working on his footwork and right. and things like that. And All right. you know it's that's practicing. important. It is important. All right, so uh, he's yeah. ready. Think the about big it. one's Christian Kirk. Yeah, that no. So again, I mean, it's, I, it is gigantic. If, if, if I said this before, getting him back. Yeah, I mean, and I get I I I wanted him. Nothing worse than radio guys saying I I remember remember remember. And I guess I'm doing it, so forgive me. But he's the guy I wanted in free agency before they before he ever, before free agency ever started that year, and he's been everything we we thought he'd be. And I, uh, they were eight and three, and about to score first on Cincinnati when he got hurt. I mean that that's that's where they were, and you looked up, you blinked your eyes, and they're eight and seven. And so I mean, I'm serious about this. He, the the difference he makes on that football team on all levels on all levels is enormous. That is huge that he's going to come back. Yeah, and uh, and should come back. Yeah, and I mean they they really are starting to take on the feel of a team that's getting healthy at the right time. Correct. And I I think it's again as long as they win Sunday and they get in, I think then the four game losing streak kind of becomes somewhat of a good thing because it's it's I think they've been humbled and you want to be playing your best football now and to go through that kind of a lull and then come out of it, I mean that's. Usually, when you start playing your best football, I mean, we've seen seven seeds win the Super Bowl. Uh, so, I mean, once you get in, it, it's you know, it's a brand new season, and and the Jaguars feel like a team that are, are on the precipice. If they can play sixty minutes of good football in Nashville, they're on the precipice of being a really dangerous team in this tournament, in my opinion. Outside of the Forty ers and the Ravens. Is there anyone else that in the playoffs you'd say the Jaguars don't have a chance? And they may still have a chance against those two teams. Yeah. I'm not saying they don't. But what we've seen in as far as the Jaguars playing in those two games yeah. against these those teams, they certainly didn't play well. But anyone else that you wouldn't that you would say the Jaguars they can don't go have a into chance? Baltimore yeah. and win. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I don't I, care about San Francisco because yeah. if you have that problem, then you're in the Super Bowl for the yeah. first time in your history, and that right. would be you four. Yeah, I, where you're going with the point is there's no unbeatables these days. There's no there's no Brady Patriots and heck the Jaguars probably should have beat them. But but there's no there's no unbeatables. There's from where the Jags sit, I would nobody in the NFL. Would, I hate to say this. Here's the reality: nobody in the NFL would be surprised. If they laid an egg, lost to Tennessee, and missed the playoffs because of their history, 
But also, if you pay attention to the Jaguars and this year's team and in, in, in the last couple of years, nobody would be surprised if they get to the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, they're they're that they have a good team. I mean, I promise you, if the Jags get the AFC Championship game or even the Super Bowl, even after the lull, you're going to have people. I promise you, there's going to be the Peter Kings and the people. That say, I told you, I, I'm not surprised. I, you're not. This won't be shot. If the 17 Jaguars had gone to the Super Bowl, even though they were, even though they almost did, it still would have shocked the world. That would have that would have shocked the world if the 17 Jaguars made it to Minneapolis. These Jaguars making it to Las Vegas would not shock the world. That's my point. Well, yeah, because I think if they get hot, then you look back and you say, well, yeah, they lost four games because they were hurt. They didn't have their most dependable playmaking receiver. The offensive line has had a multitude of injuries throughout that uh, losing skid. Uh, and, and so I think you would look at it and say, well, yeah, they got healthy at the right time. And, you know, they had a home playoff game and and won that. And, you know, I do think it help- if they can get by Tennessee, I also think it helps going in that you had to win two games to get in. I always think that 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 creates an edge of we already know we can win when we have to win. Now, I get Carolina's the worst team in football, and Tennessee's not a great team. I understand all that. I'm not saying because they beat Carolina and they beat Tennessee that they've accomplished something remarkable, but the point is when you win when you have to win, that gives you a confidence. Obviously, the, the the degree of difficulty is going to be much higher against Cleveland and as they progress throughout the tournament. But the Jaguars have just beaten themselves. Other than the San Francisco game, they have given games away. And they didn't on Sunday. To their credit, it was probably the cleanest game they've played all year. No turnovers, one penalty on a really questionable horse collar. Uh, so, I mean, if, if that can continue, if they have somehow finally unlocked how to play a clean football game for 60 minutes, then they are going to be very difficult to beat. But again, they've got a, I, I think if they lose Sunday, they're not getting in. I, I don't think they'll get the breaks they need to get in. So the way Doug Peterson answered the question today is exactly the way he should have answered it. We've got to win. I'm not going into any scenarios with them. We've got to win. Cause I do think if they lose, they are not getting in. So it's silly to even, you know, uh, talk to the team about, well, if the Steelers do this and if the Broncos do that, then you know maybe we can lose and still get in. No, screw that. Go beat Tennessee and Nashville and cash in your ticket and win the division for a second consecutive year. That would be a spectacular accomplishment. Yeah, I think the offensive line has been the hamstring for this team. Obviously, Trevor's injuries as well. But if the offensive line can come together and can play well on Sunday and then potentially throughout the playoffs – then I think, yes, this team can go places. If they don't play well, then Miles Garrett's going to have a day if the Jaguars make it to that game against the Browns. Your point earlier, Hayes, about the, the getting healthy at the right time, it does feel that way. I mean, again, I, it's a long season, man, six and a half months long. If you count training camp to the Super Bowl, it's a long time, and you're going to have some ups and downs. So, uh, so we'll see. So yeah, and, I mean, uh, and hopefully they don't have any injuries on Sunday. You know, they need to come – not only do they need to win on Sunday – they need to come out of it injury free. You know, you can't right. you can't win but lose three starters. Right, right. You know, that would make your the road probably too difficult to overcome. But if they win Sunday and no one suffers an injury of consequence, I, I think they're absolutely gonna beat Cleveland. And then you just see, you know, you see where you go from there. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, let's start with the, I'm gonna start with a guy named Doug Peterson. I got a thought or two about Doug Peterson. We're gonna get to that coming up. Uh, that's our first topic today. We'll talk a little bit about the Jags and Trevor and Christian Kirk and what this game means and uh, how to play there. We'll talk a little bit about the portal. 
guys going in and out of the portal. Got a thought or two about that. Going to look ahead to next year in college football a little, even though this year's not over. Got a lot of fun stuff to get to on the program today. But let's start with the head coach, Doug Peterson. A thought or two about uh, about him. That's uh, how we kick off the program. This is 1010XL, and it's 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Uh, you look at the history of the AFC South, I mean, it's been dominated by Tennessee of late. Uh, Houston's had their their run. Uh, Indy, obviously, you know, back in the Peyton days, and they had they had their run of, of AFC South, and I think, you know, Jags have only had two, you know. So um, we're, trying to, we're trying to make our mark, obviously. Um, it's a great division. You got great teams in there, great, uh, great coaches and leaders and, and good football players. And so, you know, for us to, to be in this position again second year, I mean, it's a credit to our players in the locker room, coaching staff to, uh, to work as hard as we do and, and um, the players to work as hard as they do. It's an AC Designs Wednesday on The Frangie Show, brought to you by AC Designs, voted best AC and heating company in Jacksonville. The comments of Doug Peterson earlier today. I was thinking about this, preparing the show today. What a job Doug Peterson has done. Think about this for a second. He inherited the Urban Meyer unmitigated disaster, right? That was 3-14, and 2-11 from Urban. Bevel won one of the four games he coached. But it was as dysfunctional a roster as it could be. They didn't, those guys didn't know what to think. Oh, by the way, Urban inherited a 1-15 team. So Doug's team that he took over had been four and twenty-nine. Crazy. When he, I mean, think about that for a second. Yeah, those were fun years. They were four and twenty-nine when he took them over, and and with an owner who would never won. Yeah, right, right. Um, so you have to show them everything, right, right. in and, terms of how it's done. Right, and two, right, and two losing seasons before the four and twenty-nine. They he took on a team that had one, two, three, four straight double-digit losing seasons. Three and fourteen in the Urban Meyer debacle the year before that. One and one and fifteen and twenty, the year before that. Two straight losing seasons before that. That's what that's what he inherited, and he got him to the Elite Eight in his first year. Inheriting that changed the culture, rebuilt the culture, rebuilt the locker room, rebuilt the belief, rebuilt the confidence, and had a had a rookie quarterback. Who who didn't know what Trevor would tell you was spinning because of the way the Urban Meyer year went, and had him at nine wins, and now for the first time since oh four oh five they have back to back winning seasons in his first two years here. Do we ever? We can't lose sight of that. No. What an amazing job Doug Peterson has done as the football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 incredible. This is his seventh year as an NFL head coach. He's won nine or more games five times of the seven years. I right, mean, right. so think about that. The years that he didn't do it, his first year in Philly, he was seven and nine. So certainly nothing, you know, not a disaster, but seven and nine. Uh, and then uh, his final year in Philly, uh, he, they were four eleven and one because the Carson Wentz meltdown and and things like that. And uh, so. 
but the uh, every other year, the other five, he's won at least nine games. So I, uh, you know, it's it's a testament to. I I, th- I just think he plugs in so well with the current player because of all of his experiences. It just has blended into the ideal coach. Um, you know, could he be a little tougher at times? You know, maybe. You know, but I but I'll say his method works. I mean, you know, he it, it doesn't he doesn't seem like there's a lot of old school toughness in the program, but I'm not sure you can really incorporate a ton of that now anyway. I think there's a few head coaches currently that still employ it with with success, but it's it's difficult. I think his his experience as a player, uh, as as even a backup player, I think certainly helps. Uh, and he's just done everything you would want uh, as a coach, from a coordinator uh, to obviously a, a Super Bowl winning head coach. So he he was he was ideal. Um, he is uh, his, his best attribute is that he's never too high and never too low, and that's a cliche. But as a coach, very true, uh, and as a leader, I I I think it 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 absolutely matters. And uh, you know, I, I think he's he's done a great job with Trevor Lawrence. So. I has it, it hasn't been perfect, but man, it's been pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, his experience as a player that is able to give him more respect when he talks to the guys in the locker room because he's been there. I think the other thing too is he doesn't throw his players under the bus. We've all talked about on this show, and I'm sure on other shows, that Luke Fortner hasn't had a great season. But instead of going up to the microphone and saying, our center's having a really tough season, and yeah, you know, I'm not sure why. We, we worked with him throughout the offseason on getting better, getting stronger. Instead of doing that, he says, no, I, I, I believe in our guys, and our offensive line is going to be fine. We've just had a lot of issues throughout. And, and I think he obviously pushed the right buttons with Josh Allen, too. Josh Allen wanted to spend time away from the facility in the offseason. Instead of Doug Peterson saying, no, you have to spend time here with us, he obviously is now having an incredible season. And so – I think those are just individual situations, but as a collective, that's how Doug Peterson is with his players, is he understands what they need, and he's able to work through issues with them. Yeah, he respects players. Now, he, he couldn't make Josh Allen stay here. By, by rule, Josh Allen can go wherever he wants, but he didn't make him feel ostracized because he made that choice. That's right. So, so think about this. The Jacksonville Jaguars, if they win Sunday, if they win Sunday, the Jaguars will have won one division title in the 22 years before he got here, he will have won two in his two years. It's amazing. One, one division title in the 22 years before Doug got here, and he will have won two in two years. I mean, just forget every other stat. One in 22 versus two in two. Well, and, and he mentioned this today. You know, everybody has had a turn of dominance in this division since its inception 20 years ago. Obviously, the Colts let it off with Peyton Manning. Uh, the Texans had a nice run of winning a bunch of divisions in a row. The Titans have had a run of winning a bunch in a row. The Jaguars haven't. You know, they, they, just, they just haven't. And I, I, think, I think Doug Peterson takes a lot of pride, as he should, in – and being the one to deliver that. And again, we'll see what happens, but if they win Sunday, I mean, that's two. I think the resistance is going to be substantial in 24 and beyond, but the only way to win three in a row is to win two in a row. And he's got a great chance to do that. So I, you know, again, if, if Trevor Lawrence continues to develop, 
there's no reason to think that the Jaguars shouldn't win certainly as many as anyone else in this division. I think Houston's going to win some with Stroud. Uh, you know, the, the Colts, you have to be impressed with what they've done. Uh, we'll see, you know, what they, what they become. We'll see what happens with Tennessee. But, uh, but it's, to me, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think the Jaguars could win five of the next 10 AFC South crowns. Well, if he wins Sunday, that'd be seven in basically like 12 years. That's remarkable. Yeah, I think there's no question that every situation he's been faced with, he's handled it correctly. I mean, at this point in time, with all the things, like you said, Frank, that he had to inherit, all the issues, at some point, usually somebody messes up along the way, and, and we end up talking about that. There's never been a point where we said, well, yeah, Doug Peterson, I wish he had said that differently or handled that situation differently. I think most, or not most, but if he, if the Jaguars had had a lesser coach, I'm not sure that even though the Panthers aren't very good, I'm not sure that the team wins against the Panthers after the way they lost against the Bucs and, and lost that fourth game in a row. But because he's able to keep them together, they were able to go out and play a, a winning football game. They're very good at keeping the thing the thing. They're very good at not letting the outside noise, not letting the circumstance, not letting stuff bother them. And they're very good at, at handling whatever the adversity is. And that's him, man. That, that, and he, he's, got a good, he's got a good culture, a good guys that fit that culture. Uh, but that is him. As I look at the team, and I thought about this too, the Jags have a lot of good players. I mean, they have a lot of good players, and and you don't you can't win you can't win ten games in the National Football League, which I think where they're going to get when they win Sunday. I think I'm with you guys. I think they're going to win Sunday, but you can't get to where you win ten games without good players. So that they have good players, but I don't know that they have very many stars. They have Trevor, who's going to be a star. But he doesn't have star numbers this year. He's not a star yet. Yeah, yeah. He just isn't. Uh, Josh Allen's having an absolute star season. He might win the pass rush title. He's got to get get, a, get votes for Defensive Player of the Year. But he's had an up and down career. Uh, not, that's not fair. He's had an up and not quite as up career. He hasn't had so he's not a yeah. star yet. He's he's certainly trending that way, and he might be one this year and might from from this point forward. But as I look at the team. It's not a team of megastars. It's a team of a lot of good players. Now, Evan Ingram's a good player. Christian Kirk's a good player. Zay Jones is a good player. Travis Etienne. I got a lot of those now. I, you start there's talking, a lot of good. Foyer Lewick is a good player. There's, there's a not lot, a lot of, of elite. There's, there's, there's not a lot of elite players, yet he still is winning. And I think, and I do believe it's a very upwardly mobile franchise. I, they will be, a, barring any significant injury, they will be a better football team next year than they are this year. I, I believe that. I believe Trevor's going to be here for the long haul. He's going to get better every year. ETN's going to be here for the long haul. Uh, I do believe they're going to sign Josh Allen to a long deal. Trayvon Walker's getting better. He's, he's played well. So uh, it's just amazing what this coach has done. This guy who Philadelphia, and, and I know Philadelphia was good last year under Nick Sirianni, and give them credit and give Howie Roseman credit for rebuilding that thing and continuing to build it. I mean that very sincerely. They draft as well as anybody in the NFL. They may be the best drafting team in the league. They really might. They I mean, they might be the best drafting team in the NFL. Hell, all they do is just go spend the fall in Athens right. and then draft all the players. Here's what you Not do. Not a bad way to do Here's it. A, let's, let's hang out in Athens and let's draft all their players and then go to the Super Bowl. That's what they do. But So so give them credit. But how do you not want Doug Peterson to be your coach anymore? Who looked up and said, this guy's not good enough to be our coach anymore? And, and I know we're in a world, and by the way, if the, if the Jags ever have a four-win season, Twitter will light up with fire the coach. Every, every franchise. Every franchise's Twitter feed is lit up with fire the coach when the coach has a bad year. So I, I get that. But uh, I, they're just really lucky to have the guy. I guess that's kind of important. 
Yeah, and and again, it was a frustrating process because it was like, why is this taking so long? Doug Peterson should be the guy, and there doesn't seem to be like you're having to fight off two or three other organizations to land him. And how did that happen? How yeah. did you not have to fight for him? I don't know. How in the world? I I don't know. It's uh, it never made any sense. Uh, and yeah, and and again, he's been close to perfect. And you know, and I think that'll continue. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not really concerned about, you know, I think they're fine with the cap. Uh, I think they're fine with the players that they want to bring back. They'll be able to do it. Uh, they're going to have a lot of picks upcoming in this draft. And look, I, I think the results, Anton Harrison's been great. So Anton Harrison alone makes it a pretty good draft. Uh, but I do think Brenton Strange Tank Bigsby are going to be players in years two and three and four of their rookie too. contracts that you see growth and you see substantial development. Antonio Johnson looks like he could be an absolute steal. Parker Washington, I've been encouraged with, and you know I I want to say they've got nine picks scheduled. If you if you anticipate the comp picks that they will get for the first time in basically franchise history, I I, I think you're you're adding nine draft picks, something to that extent. Uh, which maybe gives you ammunition to move up. Maybe you take six players, but you move up a couple spots if you can. Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be attractive from a free agency standpoint now because if they win Sunday, veterans that are ring chasing are going to be intrigued by a Doug Peterson-led outfit that has won its division the last two years with a quarterback who is still a year or two away from probably hitting that year 27-28 prime of his career. So, uh, there's a lot to like. The Jaguars certainly have not come close to realizing what their ceiling is going to be. Going back to Bigsby, I thought he looked like this was his best game of the season. He's figuring it out. And so it was that I thought was really encouraging because it's hopefully going to give Travis Etienne a little time to recoup and get well for the postseason. What happened on Sunday to that end, in my opinion, Lauren, is they want to stay with the run. I can tell you that. But the circumstance of the recent games haven't allowed that. Uh, self-inflicted wounds, other teams scoring, you're behind. They stuck to the – the Panthers never scored, so you could stick to the run. Yeah, once they got to 9 nothing, yeah. I think that was pretty clear. And they stuck to the run and stuck to the run. They used all three backs, which is what they want to do. And I agree with you. I think, I think Tank – look, Tank had the fumbling problems early, and I can also tell you he's not very good in pass pro. I can tell you, I can tell you now, one of the reasons he didn't play earlier in the season had nothing to do with fumbling. I can tell you the reason is he didn't know what linebacker to block. He, 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 he had a lot of, particularly on third down circumstances, he had a difficult time knowing which line. I'm just, That's one, very common for a rookie running. Very common for, for a rookie, no question. But, but that was a, it was a they weren't going to broadcast it, but it was a significant problem because he didn't know who to block. Well, he's gotten better at that. He's learned pass pro in blitzing situations, which is why he's earned more time. And they like him. They like him as a player. He's a downhill runner. He's the only downhill runner they've got. Travis Etienne's a marvelous player. But he's not a third and yard and a half. Uh, give it to him behind a fullback in an ISO play. He's not that. That's not who he is, and that's okay. But that's not who he is. That is who Tank Bigsby is, and he'll get better as well. So, so. But anyway, the 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 job they've done, the job Doug Peterson's done. Trent Baalke too has built a team. There's some holes, but but this guy Doug Peterson, what he's been able to do when he showed up here, is pretty freaking amazing stuff. It really is. And uh, and I, I agree with you. I think they're going to win. I don't know. If I think they're going to run them out of the gym like you do. I mean, I I, I think they're going to I don't think it's going to be forty-eight to three. But I, I think yeah. we're I think we're looking at. 23-10, uh, the game, the, the kind of game where at the two-minute warning, you know the Jags are. You're taking a knee. Yeah, I, I think they're going to beat the. I think they're going to beat the Titans. I'm, I'm very confident of that. Um, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to be home here to play the Cleveland Browns. Take a break. Some college talk after this. Stay with us.
The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an AC Designs Wednesday on The Frangie Show, brought to you by AC Designs, voted best AC and heating company in Jacksonville. AC Designs is a family-owned business you can trust with your comfort and their hiring. If you're interested, visit acdesignsinc.net slash careers. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, RJ Saunders, I am Lauren Brooks. Get it to a little college football, Florida v. Florida State. Who has the better quarterback, Frank? Did yeah. you a younger life for Florida State or Graham Mertz for Florida? That's a great question. I'm going to ponder that, Hayes, as I bless the reins. <laughs> I want to bless the reins one day. Isn't it great to bless the rain? I usually miss the rain. You miss the rain? Yeah. Bless the rain. Um, I love this song. Uh, it's such a great such song. Such a great song. And they did uh, it just magnificently live. Wasn't that great? Yeah. Wasn't that great live? Was like, um, I guess we have we one were, more song to yeah, do. Yeah, we were losing our mind. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was talking about this during the break. Who's happier with their quarterback? Florida State or Florida? Not counting Lagway. So I'm not saying the quarterback room. I mean, Florida's thrilled because they got the recruit they wanted. Yeah, and, and Florida FSU State got, got a good one, And they too, got yeah. the recruit they wanted. So right. both teams got the recruit they wanted. And uh, so both feel like – but, I mean, who's who feels better? Who's better? Who will get better quarterback play next year? Florida – assuming neither freshmen are the primary starters. Is it Cron, Cron, Cromenhawk? Cromenhawk or Lagway? Which guy – both who might be terrific young quarterbacks. They're both very good players. Um but 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 who, um, who feels better? Lauren, go first. Who feels better about their quarterback? Uh, FSU with DJ Uyunglele or Florida with Graham Mertz? Who and why? I think Florida with Graham Mertz because people are slave to stats, and when you look at the stats of both quarterbacks, you compare them. Uh, Florida's fans also watched Graham Mertz with some, I would say, decent talent around him with Ricky Pearsall and, and Trey Wilson, but nothing spectacular on his boarding him as the tight end. And they saw how efficient he was and that he could run the offense. I think Florida State fans are going to – they've already seen DJ Uyunglele at Clemson. That the reason he's no longer there and then he had to transfer is because he wasn't very good. And so they've seen him in their own conference. And I think they were hoping for Cam Ward, even though he's going to the NFL draft. So I think they feel like from Jordan Travis to DJ, they're, they're losing a little bit. Let me be fair. In uh, DJ's last year, his, his year, DJ at uh, – it um, he was there. Th- he was three years, three years at Clemson. Is that right? So sounds right. Yeah. So he actually, this is actually going to be like his sixth year or his fifth year playing. But DJ was twenty-two touchdowns and seven picks. Hayes his last year at Clemson, and then twenty-one and seven his one year at Oregon State. So the years they weren't bad. I mean, he had he had good numbers at both Clemson. He had bad numbers the one year, but good numbers the last two years. Uh, Mertz's numbers similar: twenty touchdowns and three picks. A little bit better. A c- completion percentage way better, obviously. Um, same question. Who feels who? Not who do we necessarily think's better? Who feels better about their guy? Uyunglele is the better athlete, but the reason you have to give it to Mertz is because right now, today, he knows all the ins and outs of what's expected of him. And obviously, DJ couldn't possibly know that he's never practiced with Mike Norvell and, and FSU and his teammates, so. Mertz, it, it has to be Mertz, but Mertz is coming from a totally different place. He's had an entire offseason to break down everything that went right, everything that went wrong. Uh, when he has spring practice and, and 
training camp, he, he is going to be working for the second time through with a lot of the guys that he's going to be on the field with in the fall. So I think that familiarity, you have to give it to Mertz simply because of that. I mean, we still don't even know if, you know, DJ is going to be a great fit with FSU. I mean, I, I think he will be, but there's so much uncertainty there for a quarterback that, that hasn't been overly efficient in his career to begin with. Uh, and I would look at it as I, I think DJ probably has more of the ability to go win a game for Florida State than Graham does for Florida. But Graham, I think, is way more or less likely to cost you a game uh, than DJ is. So uh, I, I think you'd have to go with Graham Mertz uh, just because of all the time he's already been around the Gators, Napier, his teammates, and, and has that leadership is, is cemented and that knowledge is cemented. And again, I, I mean, again, we sit here and now three days into a new year and Billy Napier still hasn't made any decision about his offense. So I have to assume it's going to basically be the same offense. Yeah, you would think if you you think by now, if he was hiring, we I look, we've all heard through the grapevine he's hiring a coordinator. Let's be honest, we've all heard it. But I'm now wondering if that rumor was incorrect. And we, we've all we've all heard that he's hiring an offensive coordinator. Now, I will say this: some of the stuff we've heard is that it'll that it's impacted by stuff on NFL staffs, and the NFL season isn't over yet. That doesn't mean he's necessarily hiring a coordinator from the NFL. It might just mean some movement for some of his guys. So, but, but you would think by now, with all the games being played in college football except one, and only one week left in the NFL, if he was hiring an offensive coordinator, you would know. So it certainly feels like not much is going to change in terms of the system, to your point. That's the thing. So I think, I think again, I, I think Mertz in year two, I mean, I don't know how you do much better than, than 20 and three. You'd like to see the touchdown passes go up, right. but I don't think you can do much better than than three interceptions. Yeah. I think any and the ball Gators down the fan, field more. Yeah, yeah, would sign off yeah. on that That's number right, right, right. now. Uh, you know, and 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 I think you'd sign off on seventy three percent completion. So yeah, can they be a little bit more explosive? You'd like to see that. I don't put a lot of that on Graham Mertz. I I don't think it was there, uh, and I don't think it was called. I uh, I hundred percent agree. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, even if it was called, if you're if Khalil Jackson and his four seven forty can't get open down right. the field, God bless him. He's a legacy, and I love him. But he's not. I don't think Khalil. He's a starting receiver. He's not running by anybody. Marcus Burke's not running by anybody. You know. So even Pearsall is a good player. Stretching the field isn't his thing. Working the middle of the field is his thing. And Billy Napier, I think, was fairly committed to the run for a lot of the season. When you have Montreal Johnson and good you point. have Trevor Etienne, there's a reason that you want to be committed to the run. I understand that. So I don't think that. You know, Mertz was asked to be all, you know, that downfield passing early on either. So, meanwhile, DJ Uyunglele, what will they be? Uh, a lot of a lot of what FSU's been the last two years is the magic of Jordan Travis, making plays, making plays off schedule. And this year having that incredible receiving core of Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell. I mean, that's three NFL guys. I mean, uh, Jordan Travis is a damn good player. But he had three, and Trey Benson. Yeah, that, that, that's four. He was surrounded by NFL guys. I mean, all four of those guys are NFL players. Yeah, all, all, I all would four. say all four of those guys are going to go in the top 120 picks. Yeah, they're all four. They're, they're all four top. They're NFL players. I mean, there's no 
There's no debating they'll be on NFL team. Whether they're stars or not in the NFL, we'll see. But they'll be on NFL teams. And he had veteran offensive linemen. Like and and about. he had an older offensive lineman. It's exactly right. So, so we'll see what, ha- what, what FSU becomes. See, my first thought is DJ going there is not unlike Mertz going to Florida. When Mertz went to Florida, the belief was that Florida settled. Well, I think now, F- now FSU fans different. FSU fan believes in their program more than Florida fan did last year. So when Mertz went to Florida, Florida fan said, "Great, DJ going to FSU." They're not saying that. They're saying we're excited. You know, they're there. So it's, it's, it's a different mindset than Florida fan had. But if you're objective, if you're not a fan of either one, I think both of those acquisitions seem at the time they were made. DJ right now and Mertz a year ago feel similar. You had to settle for a guy that wouldn't have been your your top choice. In the portal, I think. Yeah, and in, in looking at it for this year's crop, it doesn't seem like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there was guys that they missed on. I mean, Riley Leonard went to Notre Dame like two weeks before he even left Duke. I mean, so that I don't even think was uh, – I don't even think there was a recruiting process involved there. I think Riley Leonard knew from the start that he was going to Notre Dame. Other than that, I mean, with Cam Ward entering the draft – I I can't think of of another school that really is being viewed as hitting a home run in the transfer portal at quarterback. Is there somebody that I'm spacing out on? I don't think so. so I, I mean, mean, KJ I, Jefferson to UCF, yeah, Kyle right. McCord to Syracuse. Just guys. Yeah. 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 I like so, I mean, I, I well, think in, in looking at it from FSU's perspective, it'd be hard to be disappointed because, I mean, you'd, pro- you'd rather have Riley Leonard, right. but it doesn't seem like but he ever had – any there weren't many quarterbacks of doing anything except yeah, going Van to South Griff Bend to Kentucky, yeah. but he's never played, so I don't yeah. know how you'd feel about him. There weren't. I, I mean, I, I you know my feeling on that. I, I have no interest in a transfer quarterback that's never played. We had to talk about the the LSU guy that went to Ole Miss. So give me a guy that's played. So DJ's done that. But you're right, though. Your point you made. There's not. A, there weren't a lot of good ones in the portal. How about this? Next year's SEC quarterbacks: Carson Beck, Jackson Dart, Quinn Ewers. Jalen Milrow, Graham Mertz, Brady Cook, all coming back. And then add to that list, Nussmeyer, who looked good in the bowl, Nico, the, the $8 million man, Jackson Arnold from Oklahoma, I don't know. Did I watch him? No, I don't know. Dylan Gabriel is. played the season. Yeah. So, um, But, I mean, just Beck, Dart, Ewers, Milrow, Mertz, Cook. Man, that's pretty good stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good stuff. I mean, that's – but that's a pretty good way I to start. I would imagine your... it'll be Carson will be first team All SEC, followed by Dart and then Milrow. You mean for the preseason? At the preseason, Carson for Beck one for sure. Yeah, I think Dart and Milrow are the next two. I would I would wonder I would wonder if Brady Cook gets a lot of it. He was pretty good. Yeah, but uh, but yeah yeah I, I would I would if I was voting, I would probably go Beck one. Maybe Dart. I'd go Dart. Maybe Dart. Cook, for the record, uh, 3,300 yards and had 21 touchdowns, six picks. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, he, but I think he, Dart, Milrow, yeah, better. Yeah, probably he'd be Dart, four. Yeah, he'd probably be four. But, uh, but the point is, that's a lot of and, – and look, Where's Mertz? Mertz? Well, yeah. well, Mertz well, is then, good. And, I, I and Ewers is good, but I've been underwhelmed by him. By? Ewers. Yeah. For a guy yeah, that has yeah, been anointed as like a can't miss, like whenever he comes out. I mean, I agree. Like, I, I thought, and I'm not just basing it on losing to yeah, Washington. Right. Like, I just, when I watch, maybe I've just caught him at the wrong time. I don't watch right. every snap of Texas football, but 
I, but I think he's been overhyped. Yeah, yeah. I, me too. Me too. I, I do too. I, I, I. But he's held off little, he's little Manning. He yeah. keeps holding off little Manning. So, but there were words. There was, and there were words that if his name wasn't Manning, he would have been a run of the mill like four star quarterback. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And so, so, good point. So we'll find out. So anyway, um, but back to FSU Florida. I'll reiterate what I said yesterday in the program. Florida State, and you agreed, I think, is the most intriguing team in the country. Oh yeah. Because what will they be with all those guys gone? Can you? All, I mean, if they open eleven and zero next year, yeah. twelve. If they go yeah. twelve and zero again, yeah. with I mean that he'll be he should win coach of the year. No question. He. Uh, by the way, other than what Washington did, he should win it this year. You know, yeah. if it wasn't for DeBoer, he'd win. I think he'd be the coach of the year this year. He's been did, did uh, Novell did a great job. But one here's one thing you have when you have opt outs. Would they have twenty opt outs? Was it twenty? Like Florida 20? State. Yeah, probably. Okay, when you have opt outs. That means these guys aren't coming back. You don't opt out and then come back. So an opt out means it's a guy you're le- you're losing it. You're losing anyway. So that that that's the part of the story nobody told is the opt outs didn't just affect you for the Georgia game. They are a reminder that those are the guys that you're not going to have on your team now, and they're not opting out of next year. They were gone, but that's a reminder of those guys you're not going to have on your team next year. Well, that's the thing. It it. it you know, Florida State fans were like, well, this doesn't reflect on the 2023 team. And I agree with that. I mean, it well, doesn't. The, the opt-out but, doesn't. But it, but it absolutely gives you at least some indication of what your 24 team is. And that's got to be somewhat concerning. I, I mean, so that's where I think it's going to be so fascinating. Is he able to, with this great signing class, you know, and, and you know, the activity that I'm sure they're going to have coming up in the portal, you know, is he able to – you know, fill this what I, looks to be a huge chasm, uh, and get and 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 keep the roster close to where it was, or is it a massive drop off? I mean, they lost by sixty. Right. I mean, that's hard yeah. to do in football. Lose a game by sixty points, hard to do. So it has to give you some concern yeah. over what is still in the cupboard going into yeah. the twenty four season. See my. Th- Go ahead. I was just going to say, the only thing I'd say is, by the way, it was 20 opt-outs, injured players, and transfers. Okay. So all three of those combined. Are, so are any of the injured players coming back to the team next year? That'd That's be a good question. Yeah. That I don't know. Um, but TCU, with a, all of its players a year yeah. ago, almost lost by 60 to the And, and then were awful this year. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. And then what did that turn into? What yeah. did TCU go this year? Seven and five? Yeah. Six and six? Not even that. They weren't good. Yeah. So I mean, they lost so to Colorado it, it in the opener. It was and, a precursor that they weren't going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's. So five and seven. Yeah, so they were that, five and seven. Yeah, so now, team, I don't think FSU is going to do that. Right, but I hear your your point is, and, and I'll defend FSU a little bit with your twenty best players out. You're playing this generational machine. It was going to be hard to, to not get beat by a whole lot of points. But sixty. Yeah. Well, but, well, and to your point, the, the the bigger point is that may tell you that some of the players coming back aren't the caliber of the players that, are, that left. That that that's I the think whole, that's obvious. That's well, that's what the whole call. call yeah. I mean, like Alabama. Can lose ten. Georgia and Alabama lose ten players to the draft. Doesn't matter because the ten to replace them are just like them. That that that's the great. Pro, I mean, Georgia. That that whole Georgia team's going to the NFL, and they're going to be just as good next year because the players replacing them are just like them. That's what the great team, Ohio State and Alabama, they just replace them with guys just like them. And the if you lose sixty three to three, is that's an indication that the next guys aren't just like the former guys. That that because if they were, if 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 Florida State had. 20 opt-outs and had to play Georgia and they had they had the pipeline Georgia and Alabama had 
they would have lost. Your point is they'd have lost 45-27. Yeah, 45-27, yeah. not 63-3. to No, I hear right. you. I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. There's That's, also the mentality that they had. This wasn't just a normal situation where they had all these opt-outs and injuries. This was a team that was so devastated right. and wounded that I understand the emotional the, part the, of the it. Wor- the worst thing that happened to FSU, A, they didn't get in. Right. Okay, and they should have been in. B, all the guys opted out. But when all that happens – it's a shame you couldn't at least draw Oklahoma. It's you know it's a, it's a shame anyone you could, other than Georgia. anybody but Georgia. Yeah. Georgia, and, who's and, also pissed and, off. And, and, can you get pissed off? Can you at least Correct. give FSU Liberty? Right, right. You know, you know what I mean. If, yeah. they, if they could have drawn somebody other than than angry. Re- oh, it was it was the worst pod. The committee I, made sure correct. that FSU was correct. not going to finish the season undefeated. undefeated. If you did, I promise you right now, if you did a Twitter poll or an X poll in any city in America other than Detroit or Ann Arbor and say who's the best team, they'd all say Georgia. Georgia would win every – other than other than a poll done in Detroit, Georgia would win every poll, wouldn't they, as far as who's the best team? I think so. Uh, but, I, I, but, again – I mean, right now. It was 63-3. to three. I mean – No, I hear you. I, and, that's, and, that's all I'm saying. Is well, that, 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 to me, would be concerning is yeah. to – what is our baseline talent right. that we're starting the 24 season yeah. with? And, and I think that was the same case with Florida playing Oregon State a year ago. Yes, yeah. they didn't have Richardson and some of the other talented players, but still, when you lose, what was it, 31 to 3, that means that your next yeah. team is not very good. And that was 28. Yeah. I mean, if that was, it was Correct. something like Correct. that. Yeah, I think it was 31 to I mean, this 30, was 30, 30 this like was 63 to 3 with like 12 minutes left in the game. Oh, yeah. Could I be mean, called off the dogs, literally. Right. Yeah, so, so they scored 35 points in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I thought if I could, if I lived to be a thousand, I never <laughs> thought I'd see an FSU football team give up 35 points right. in a single quarter. Right. Right. That's right. So, so here's the, so here's the other part of the question is, what if, what if the the real answer is FSU has to mine the portal again? Now they've got some good young players. They had a good recruiting year, but would you be surprised now if all of a sudden and I don't pretend to know who their personnel is. I don't follow the Knowles as closely as I probably should. But I wouldn't be surprised to see if all of a sudden they're the, the quarterback's the guy that played at Oregon State last year. We now know we now know he's going to be the quarterback. With all due respect right. to Brock Glenn and to Luke, and DJ doesn't come there if he's not going to be the quarterback. He's going to be the quarterback. So would it be surprising if you looked up and all of a sudden the running back, the two receivers, and the tight end are guys that aren't in school there now and – Transfer in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I still have confidence that Florida State's going to be good next year. I think they're going to be on the precipice of getting in to the playoff. I think if I had to bet it today, I think they get in probably is a 9-10 or 11 seed. I, you know, I, I think they've got a good chance to defend the ACC title because I think there's really not much else in that league. Uh, so, I mean, I, 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 I still have confidence. But to your point, absolutely. I think I think the bowl game was was a was a absolute wake up call that you're going to have to go get ten to twelve immediate starters. You've done it at quarterback, but you probably are going to need offensive linemen and tons of guys on defense. And again, they had a great signing class, but we saw with Florida this year. You know, it that the great signing class expecting true freshmen to come in and be. It's one thing to come in and contribute. It's another thing to say, come in as a true freshman and be an all-conference player. Now, it's easier to be an all-ACC conference player than an all-SEC conference player. But, 
I mean, they, they certainly have avenues to not having a, a big step back in terms of talent, but I think, I think he's got a lot of work ahead of him. I, I think he'll do it, but I think he's got a lot of work ahead of him. We'll take a break. More in a moment, 10 Tennessee, 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an AC Designs Wednesday on The Frangie Show. Brought to you by AC Designs, voted best AC and heating company in Jacksonville. Brangie Carlyle and Brooke Saunders with you. Everybody's sitting out. They're not opting out, just sitting out. Yep. Have you seen the list of quarterbacks who aren't playing? Yeah, Lamar Mahomes. Lamar Mahomes. Um, downtown Joe Flacco. Have yeah. you seen this? Joe Flacco's not playing. Um, Matt he'll Stafford. His, he'll throw his next pick in Jacksonville. <laughs> well, you th- you're, you're ready for him to. You think that that collapse oh, is coming, don't you? Yeah, it's absolutely. You predicted coming. the collapse. Yeah. Sixty-seven point six passer rating. <laughs> For so Joe Flacco. Blaine Gabbert gets to start. Are Blaine you Gabbert. for or against him? I don't really care. Who are they even playing? The Bla- the Blaine, They're locked into the three seed. The Blaine Gabbert era. I mean, begins. I don't particularly like Gabbert, so I mean, I will probably pull against him, but I don't even know who's <laughs> that. Is a general principle? It's at the Chargers, so I think even Blaine Gabbert can beat the Easton Stick Lane Chargers. I would think so. Blaine but Gabbert I, versus John Hadle. But I'll pull for the Chargers. <laughs> so there is that. Um, so, um, you know, it's funny, kind of funny how it works. The. Uh, if you're the Jaguars, and assume I don't think they're going to, but for the sake of the conversation, the Jaguars lose the game. Take me through the best scenarios to get the Jaguars in. We've done this before, but Steelers lose, Steelers Broncos and Broncos lose, lose and that, that's that, it. That's it. That there's no, no other games affect the Jaguars. Yeah, but the Texans Colts but, can't end in a tie. That's right. part of it. Yeah. Okay. The, assuming there's not a tie. Right. But the, the Texans, Steelers are playing now, like you just said, the Ravens right, without Lamar Jackson. Right. So assuming, assuming. There's not a tie. The Texans-Colts game has no bearing on the Jaguars postseason. Correct. None. None. We know one of them are going to win, assuming there's no tie. One of them are going to win, which means someone's getting to 10 wins. So the Jags got to get to 10 wins or they don't win the division. So there's no bearing. So the only two games that have bearings are the Steelers-Ravens, which is 430 on Saturday, and the Broncos- and Broncos, Broncos Raiders. Raiders. Broncos yeah. Raiders. And that game could go any which way. And that and, and so if the if the if the Jag if the Steelers lose that game, okay, if the Steelers lose, mm-hmm. then are the Jags in even if they lose? No. Okay. They they need both things to yeah. happen. Oh, okay, okay. So, so they need the Steelers and it. Broncos. So and the, the Broncos Raiders game is Sunday, four twenty five. So, it's, the, so okay. it's immediately after the so, game. So so we won't know. So if the ja- so if the Steelers Raiders both lose, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the Steelers Broncos both lose. If the Steelers Broncos both lose, then the Jags are in even with the loss. Correct. They are the seventh seed. That's right. Okay, they would be the seventh. And seed. And they would go to likely. Well, I think Buffalo is going to beat Miami. Right, I do so too. I, do I think too. they would go to Buffalo. Okay, so the, so you're in the playoffs again. What matters is this: win the damn game. You don't have to worry about all that. Right. But it, but it, but it's interesting. The uh, if you were that, would you would you do what everyone's doing, sit your guys? I would. I would definitely sit Lamar Jackson because they did, They haven't had him the last two uh, Decembers and postseasons, and it's made a difference. And so, yeah, I think Baltimore has clinched the one seed. You take full advantage of it. So Lamar Jackson's basically going to get a two-week break, uh, but you have to make sure he's healthy. And I, I like it for Mahomes. He's, he's battled through some things uh, as well this season, and – yeah, I think you want to make sure this will be the first time that in all likelihood Kansas City is going to have to win away from Arrowhead to get to the Super Bowl. Finally. So, finally. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to 
have Mahomes because I mean Mahomes is going to have to play next week. So I, I think it, it makes all the sense in the world. If you're if you don't need the game, I don't know why you'd play. I wouldn't yeah, again. I wouldn't play Joe Flacco. I, I I you could make the argument. Well, he hasn't been there that long. Maybe it helps. You know, keep him in rhythm. But they're and not going. To. I wouldn't do it. I mean, just why take the chance of of getting him hurt? Yeah, I would obviously sit the guys as well because at any point in time, when we've seen what Trevor's gone through, four different injuries this season, and at some point that catches up with you, obviously. So, yeah, the worst possible thing you could do is in week 18 in a game that doesn't matter and has no bearing, get your quarterback hurt. We've had, like, what, 58 quarterbacks start games this season in the NFL? It's 61, it's a, I think it was. It might be now. I think I mean, 61. I think 61. Well, after this weekend, it'll be astronomical yeah, yeah. because of all these yeah, backups. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's, it's just been a – for all the protection the player is getting – from the league, it's been just a, a unbelievable amount of injuries at the position, and so yeah, I I think these these head coaches are making the right decision. Yeah, I think the I think the number is sixty one right now. The um, if the Jaguars win and the Steelers lose, is the or the the Colt Texan loser in then? I think that I want to say that yes, because they both beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I think so I think the the Indianapolis. And Houston winner is guaranteed to get in. Uh, Indy is if, the is seventh it, seed now. I said so, loser. I meant winner. I, uh, mean, I meant the Colts Texans winner. Yeah, assuming the Jets and then win the Houston division. is the eight seed, so they're the first team out. Uh, so if they beat Indianapolis, they would you know obviously jump them because they'd be ten and seven. Indianapolis would be nine and eight, and uh, and they have the head to head over the Steelers. So, because those are the only three nine and seven teams, not including the Jaguars, right? So, because uh, they're right now the four seed. So, if you're looking at just basically the teams that from seven, eight, nine, uh, those three teams are all nine and seven, and then Denver's the ten at eight and eight. Uh, so, obviously, they're you know I I don't think they even they don't even have a path. So, um, yeah, I mean I, I think in in looking at it, the winner of of Houston Indy is definitely in, uh, is either the four or the seven. The Colts can get in with a tie against the Texans, right. and if the Steelers either lose or tie, if the Colts lose the, to the Texans, they the, can still get in as long as they or not lose as they if they tie the Texans, yeah, then they right. need the Steelers to right. lose. Assume, it would be hilarious. Yeah, that assume, game ended in a assuming ties don't happen very. I don't often. think we've had a tie in the season this yeah. year. How do the, how would the Colts get in if ties aren't in play? Win. They they they'd have to win. And are they automatic? But then they're in because then they're a ten-win team, and yeah. they, they would they've beaten the Steelers. We have not had a tie this season, okay? So we're due. It's not gonna be a tie. There's no yeah, ties. There's no ties in <laughs> football. Yeah, we're crying out loud. Well, well they- and again, that game, like you said, Frank, precedes the Jaguars game. So, in all, you know, their minds, they're playing to win the division. They're assuming the Jaguars are going to lose to the Titans. Right. If you're the Colts or the Texans, because you want to win the division. It is interesting, by the way, that that game is Saturday Saturday night. I mean, I mean that that that's very intriguing. Absolutely, that's a Saturday night game, and then we'll see. All right, we'll take a break. I'm pulling for Indianapolis, but I I feel like Houston's going to win. Yeah, and well, yeah, and I and I will say you this: with the healthy Stroud, Houston's a tough out in that thing. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Houston, you don't want to be if Houston gets in. Houston at Buffalo. Let's assume the correct. If, that, if the Bills beat the Dolphins, the Jags win and the Texans win, and and let's assume that happens, then. Then I think the yes, I think I think Houston at Buffalo, they could win that game, or and they damn sure could win the game at Miami. Yeah, where weather's not a factor. If it if it turned out that way, so mm-hmm. we'll take a break. More in a moment. Ten ten excel ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on ten ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's an AC Designs Wednesday on The Frangie Show, brought to you by AC Designs, voted best AC and heating company in Jacksonville. Oh, my bad. It's the other team. <laughs> Obviously, Hayes Carline, who doesn't care about recruiting the Gators, doesn't know that the new Gator kicker is in the Under Armour game. That you know. But not playing on kicking very many field but it's goals. Not, but it's not that guy. Yeah, it's not the guy that just made the field it's goal not. and you got up and did like a backflip <laughs> over him making it. It's not that guy. I thought it was. Can Harrison Mevis enter the transfer portal? That'd be great. I don't want to. I wouldn't take him. I'm taking Mevis in the third round if I'm the Jaguars. <laughs> I told you about my favorite. The guy's like a son to me. I told you my favorite my, my Shane Edge story. I'll, I'll just go ahead and submit the good guy, my good guy vote, the second he's drafted. Uh, I told you about my, my, my Jim Goodman, uh, Shane Edge story. Shane, Shane yeah. one of my favorite stories. Uh, Florida had no – in 1990, Florida didn't have a punter. So Arden Tijewski had a punt. So Jim Goodman, who was recruiting coordinator, was scouring the world trying to find a punter, and he's right there in Lake City, Shane Edge. So Shane Edge, he's got him – he's wants to go, he, he's early entry guy, wants to go to Florida, just wanted to meet the ball coach. He's bombing him in, in Lake City. And, uh, and so Shane, so Jim Goodman, the recruiting coordinator, has got him in front of Nancy Sane, the administrative assistant, outside of Spurrier's office. And Nancy said, Coach is tied up right now. So, so Jim's walking around. He's got this recruit. He, Jim and the recruit, Jim and the recruit, walking around, walking around. And uh, he's nervous, nervous, going to lose the recruit. And uh, finally, Jim goes to Nancy Sane and says, I tell Coach Spurrier, I got to get in the office. We got Shane Edge, the best punter in the country, right here. Nancy goes, Okay. So she opens the door. Goodman looks in. Spurrier's putting. <laughs> he's, got his putter, he's got his putter on his little putting green in his office. And Goodman goes, Coach, we got the best punter in the country out here. Spurrier never looks up and looks down at his putter and goes, Jimmy, 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 we don't plan on punting. <laughs> of, of, of my many Spurrier, that's like top ten of my that's favorite. That's awesome. That's a good one. By the way, the guy who's in this game is not a kicker. He's a punter. Oh. That Bobby Inksler is ah, a punter. Ah, dang it. So yeah. it wasn't a kicker guy. He's 6 feet, 200 pounds. Yeah, I, Florida can, got him away from Hayes, FSU. Hayes can he count to 11? <laughs> because if he can, he will be a substantial upgrade. So he's, he's not a kicker? He's, he's just a punter, not a kicker? That's what I'm reading. He's a punter. Bobby Inksler? Yeah, okay. Childs. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'd rather have my punter come from Australia. If yeah, I how does too that much, happen? Yeah, do, I do, heard. Do they still have American? Do they still have American punters in college football? I didn't think they had any. I did. No, they all came from. I heard on one of the games earlier this season, one of the SEC games. I forget who the commentator was, but he said twelve out of the fourteen SEC schools had Australian punters. Twelve yeah. out of the fourteen. I, I saw a stat one time that like like seventy of the hundred and thirty power fives. So let me let me ask you this question. Australian rules football. Yeah. yeah, who in Australia? I'm a big expert on it. I used to watch it on ESPN all the time yeah. when I was a kid. Who in Australia got together and said, "Listen, we gotta have a talk. We don't have much. We got kangaroos. We got boomerangs. That's about right. it. We, we got, got crocodile Dundee. We just all we got. Keith Urban. But what if we had Nicole Kidman? American punters. <laughs> yeah. What if we had that? Okay. Well, what if what if we all of a sudden said, "Listen, here's one thing they don't see coming. Okay, they expect us to have outback. They know we have boomerangs. Right. What they don't know." Is we're about to take their college sport by storm by giving them their punters. Yeah. Margot Robbie who, and punters. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Stop it. I need a Margot Robbie break every time you bring that up. I need about five <laughs> seconds to myself. But my point is, who in the world in Australia said, let's give them punters? I think How it's that the reverse. Happen? I think a college football coach or an NFL coach was on vacation in Australia. Okay. Or maybe like surfing? Hayes. Surfing? Was, maybe surfing. Okay. Avoiding the Great Whites. Or was watching Australian rugby basically on tv and realized the gift that they have 
and then started mining Australia for that. I don't but think Australia said you don't think it wasn't Australia's products. idea. I don't think so. Australia has great athletes. It's it's really an undiscovered country when it comes right. to that. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. See, Todd Golden is starting right. to unlock that this is now true. at Florida on the basketball team. And and Australia is produced. Bogut was the number one pick. Right, right. So you get into Australia, you're getting into winning. <laughs> yeah. Cam Smith, yeah. the golfer, the golfer. is Australian. You know is, who I love? Isn't Jason Day also Australian? Jason Day yeah. is Australian. You know who I loved? The girl in Crackle Dundee. Lisa, what was her oh, name? Oh, uh, Linda. Linda, I Linda, love her. Uh, uh, Linda, Linda, Linda Kozlowski. Yeah, she's freaking fantastic. Oh, Great I mean, actress. I mean, I mean, I love, I love Linda. Yeah, didn't you love her? I did. She never did anything else. I know. She, yeah, did, she had never she was, led to anything. She was fantastic. Other than marrying Crocodile Dundee, yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Adam Scott, also Australian. Yes. Okay, so anyway, yeah. I, I, I just wonder who, who, who said, "Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come up with a bunch of punters, and then we're gonna storm the shores of America and yeah. drop them off." They've always been there. Yeah, because Australian rules football. Is, I mean, they all can punt. Was so- the first one from LSU? That's at least the first time yes. I remember. That's what a I remember. Really famous yeah. Australian so, punter. So do because now it's not even a novelty. Yeah, no. No. I mean, now they won't like said, even tw- really mention it because you just well, sort of expect really, it have, to be an Australian. They really yeah. do have an academy there. Joking aside, there's an academy there for that reason. Now that, that produces punters. Uh, do American punters. Americans go to Australia to learn? But, here, but here's the thing: the but they don't make it to the NFL, right? They don't. Well, okay. it's hard. I mean, most of them. Well, I mean, I there's mean, only 32 in the league. So. Yeah, but I, but I don't think the there's many Australian punters in the NFL. I don't think there are. I think they're all. I think they fizzle after college. All I can tell you is Logan Cook is not from Australia. No, I think most of them aren't. Neither is Tommy Townsend. Yeah, so that's at least two. Okay, so I mean, I I, I don't think the Australian they they was, go to college. Was they Reggie Roby Australian? <laughs> he was not. <laughs> I'm t- I don't think they no. So I think I think the Australian punters they show up on American soil. They do the rugby punts in college, yeah. and then they go back and they go back home. And, and and work it out back. I think that's what they do. Yeah, that's my. Uh, the Saints, I believe, have an Australian punter named Lou Headley. Okay, so there's He's, one. There's one. There's one. So there you go. Well, that's three and a half percent. Anyway, I, I, wouldn't, I just wasn't sure how that was a good work. All right, we'll talk. Speaking of draft picks, I saw a story today that suggested some of the who's overrated and who's not. Is Caleb Williams overrated, or is he going to be great? I think he's going to be great. I think. What is happening there is what tends to happen when a star comes back. The final year gets picked apart a little too hard. So I think Caleb Williams is still, I mean, to me, he looks like, I don't know about can't miss, but he's an outstanding, I'd say he's an outstanding prospect. I would be surprised if he is not a quality starter in the NFL. I think a little overrated, but I understand Hayes' point. I mean, I think he's super talented. I don't know. The billing right now is Patrick Mahomes. I don't know that he can live up to that because I don't know that any player, any quarterback can live up to that. But we all thought he was before this season. Mm-hmm. We all Before this year, we thought, what a shame that this guy's got to play another year of college football because he's Patrick Mahomes. Something changed. The team wasn't very good. and But I don't know that he – but he had some games he wasn't very good. One, one, was it the Notre Dame game he threw mm-hmm. all the picks, right? Yeah. Yeah, he only I had mean, five picks on the season, 30 uh, touchdowns, five picks as a comparison. Was it, it was 30 and five year, this year? You know, I mean, three of them against Notre Dame? I, probably. Well, and we, we talk about this a lot. You know, we talk about Lamar Jackson's Gator Bowl and, and how, you know, it was such a yeah. – it, it, it looked like such a, a glaringly bad game. It, it, it was hard to look past it. Uh, but, you know, again, Patrick Mahomes coming out of t- – Texas Tech lost a lot of games. Right. With Pat- I right. mean, how many, how many national titles did Texas Tech win with Patrick oh, you're Mahomes? Right. You're right. Did they even they, – they never won a conference title. 
I don't think they ever went to a big bowl game with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you, you never so, really remembered him. You, even though he had one of the games with the 10 touchdowns or whatever, yeah. you never really remembered him until the draft process. Right. He, he came into our consciousness in, during the draft process. Correct. So, I mean, I, I think in, in looking at it, I, the one that, that I'm curious about is, uh, is Drake May. But, I, I mean, I think it's one – again, we talked about the Bears yesterday. I, I think if you're in that number 8 to 16 range, there's probably going to be a quarterback or two there that will be graded higher than a lot of top five quarterbacks in a lot of years. I mean, the depth this year just really seems to be outstanding. We saw Bo Nix is committed to the Senior Bowl later this month. That'll be a lot of fun. He's a, you know, he's a player that some believe – uh, is going to be in the first round. Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, McCarthy at Michigan. I, I mean, you, you look at the guys that are going to be in this draft beyond Caleb Williams and Drake May, and, uh, you know, it's 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 got to be pretty exciting if you're a team that isn't in the top five but could be looking at taking a quarterback. Uh, and, you know, again, Tennessee will be really interesting to see what, what they're sitting, I think, right around, you know, that just outside the top five. What do they do? You know, they've they've invested draft picks in Malik Willis and Will Levis, not premium first round picks, but you know, a second rounder in Will Levis. But if a player like Jaden Daniels is sitting there, don't you have to take him? I mean, I would if I was Tennessee, because you have to and until you know you have it right, I, I would keep taking swings at it. Yeah, I think what'll be really interesting, like you said, are gonna be those uh, those other three guys. The Jaden Daniels, the Bo Nix, and the Michael Penix. How high do teams go for those guys? There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think Caleb Williams is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I think Drake May is going to be a good. I don't know that either one of them are going to be great. I don't know what to think of Penix because he's more. He's today's guy more. Maybe it's because he's left-handed. He he just reminds me of Tua, probably because he's left-handed, about the same size. And I, I, I think two is flawed. I think he's okay, but I think he's a flawed player. And so, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens w- w- with all those guys. Did, what about Brock Bowers? I saw someone today thinks he's overrated. Is he overrated? What? No. Uh, someone, someone today wrote that oh Brock Bowers gosh. is overrated. Who wrote that? Rittenberg, I think. Written. Really? Yeah. Thinks, thinks Brock Bowers. Thinks he's good, but thinks he's overrated. Doesn't think he's going to be like all these mega great tight ends. Doesn't think he's going to be – I mean, some of that depends on where he goes. If he right. goes to like the Jets, I think he's very and, good too. You know, like, let's too. say Aaron Rodgers. Does, you know, I mean, the again, it, a lot of that's going to depend on who's throwing him the ball. But I have to think Brock Bowers is going to be Sam Laporta. I mean, I think he's going to yeah. step right in and be a really good tight end immediately. Yeah, you would think, yeah. So he's he's just one guy that had an opinion. I tell you this: I if if Brock Bowers somehow fell, oh. I would do right. cartwheels to turn that card in, but he's not going to be there at 32. Yeah. By the way, Penix, it says his height is 6'3", according to Google. Really? Doesn't he, he look smaller than that? He, he looks like he looks it's, thinner. it's more thin than yeah. and maybe it's than because, And you know what? You're right. Maybe it's because I know that two is short that I've convinced myself that Penix is. But, but if, if Penix is 6'3", that's plenty. That's C.J. Stroud's height. That's Joe Burrow's height. Well, they list, you know, the, yeah, it's all that, what you're listed at, but li- two yeah, is listed so. at six one. I don't know that two is six one. Well, the combine is, is it tells yes, the tale. Correct. I mean, they don't fudge that. So right. whatever uh, they come in at at the combine is what they legitimately are. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Morning moment. Ten ten. It's still ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on ten ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's the National College Football Report, brought to you by the law firm of Woolsey Morecambe on The Frangie Show. Hey, we do welcome you back. Frank Frangie Hayes Carline with you. It is the uh, National College Football Report. Woolsey Morecambe sponsors it. Aaron McMahon joins us now, uh, covers Michigan for the Ann Arbor News. Good time to be covering Michigan. Aaron, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm good, guys. Just got in the door from uh, from California, head out to Houston tomorrow. Hey, you know what? Not much, not much of a break when your team's winning. I hear you. So, well, thanks for spending a little bit of time. Uh, this Michigan team's special, Aaron. It's obviously they're special. I mean, they've been beating Ohio State for a couple of years, but this team looks different. Why are they different? Older guys, J.J. McCarthy. Uh, why is this team better than its predecessors in your mind? Yeah, it's probably all the above. I mean, you got the, this is the most experienced Michigan Jim, most experienced Michigan team Jim Harbaugh's had. Um, you know their defense has been very good the last couple of years. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd wager since it's probably their, their best defense I've seen. I've seen yet. Uh, you mentioned J.J. McCarthy. He's, he he came into this year with a year of experience under his belt. So I I, I think it's all of it. Um, you know, you can kind of factor in too that I, I don't think the Big Ten was as strong as it was this year than maybe compared to previous years. But um, I, I think it's a big reason why they've been able to weather all the the off the field stuff, the the Jim Harbaugh suspension, and, and still win these games and and beat these, these quality opponents. Hey, Aaron, it's Hayes Carlion. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that Michigan defensive front did such a great job against Alabama. What kind of a mismatch can that be in the title game against Washington? Yeah, I mean, it can be crucial. I, I think they, they've kind of leaned on their defensive front now for the last couple of years. They, they've really found this system where, you know, the, the depth played a factor and they've been able to rotate guys in and out, you know, on the edge and, and over, you know, in the middle at tackle. And I think, I think that's really – you know, um, you know, made a difference. I, I can remember a couple of years ago where they were largely playing undersized guys at tackle and 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 wearing kind of wearing guys out in the edge. So I, to, to kind of get rotation going, get multiple guys in there. You saw it, you know, Monday night where you know they had six sacks and I think from five different players, and that's that's kind of been the mo of the Michigan defense all season long: getting pressure, uh, throwing you know uh, fresh bodies in there, and, and then kind of keeping teams um, you know uh, uh, off balance. Aaron McMahon with us from the Ann Arbor News covers the Michigan football team. Aaron, obviously Michigan's been in the news. They're a controversial team. There was the suspension to start the season for Harbaugh, then the sign-stealing stuff, uh, and another suspension. Has that galvanized them, or it has had no effect at all? I mean, obviously, they keep winning all the games, so has it had an effect at all, do you think? Is it overrated? What's your read on that? No, I think it's had an effect. I think they've used it to, to, to motivate themselves. You know, they, they've they come up with slogans like Michigan versus everybody, and yeah. You know, Jim Harbaugh is kind of, I sound like behind the scenes, they certainly used it. You know, they've kind of uh, painted themselves in a way, in a villain role. You know, it's weird. If you talk to a Michigan fan here in the state and, you know, they they think they've been picked on. But if you talk to everyone else in the college football world, you know, Michigan is, is the, is the you know, the virtual bad guy, kind of like professional wrestling. So um, they've kind of owned it. Um, you know, it's kind of been become their image. Uh, but at the same time, you you know, if you ask the players about it, at least publicly, they, they say they don't care. You know, that's kind of been the, the talking line now for the last couple of months. You know, you can throw anything at them, and, and they just, it doesn't bother them. Um, you know, and they've, they've shown it. You know, ever since you know, the, the sign-stealing stuff came out in mid-October, um, they've won every game they played. Uh, they've won relatively convincingly. Uh, and, you know, now they're one game away from, from winning a national championship. And I would assume Blake Corum is going to be a massive part of Monday's game plan. How effective do you think he's going to be against the Huskies? Yeah, I think he can be. You know, it's going to come down to the offensive line. I don't think he has the same burst and maybe cut than he did than he did a year ago when he was kind of the, when he was up for the Heisman Trophy, um, coming off you know AC, meniscus tear, ACL injury, and everything else. Um, they, they've done a good job of utilizing inside the inside the red zone. 
Um, but I, I, I will say this. I thought Monday night, uh, you know, in, in the Rose Bowl, I, I thought that was probably one of his better performances all season long. Um, you know, especially that, that touchdown run in overtime. That, that almost looked like vintage Blake Corm to me. Um, but, you know, he, he's the guy that kind of, you know, he, he's unafraid of putting Michigan, the Michigan offense on his back. You know, he was the one before the season started who said national championship or bust. You know, he decided to come back instead of going to the NFL. And, you know, he's the one that kind of galvanized the rest of the roster in, into returning to, to try and win national championship. Championship, so I think there's a lot of he's put a lot of pressure on himself. He's acknowledged that, and I, I think you know as long as the offense like and can do a good job blocking for him, because um, there were questions about that going into the game against Alabama, but they held up relatively well. So I, I think they can do so again, and I certainly look for him to, to get another you know 20 carries or so against Washington. Aaron McMahon with us from the Ann Arbor News, uh, talking uh, Michigan football. It's our national college football report, brought to you by Woolsey Markham. Tell me about JJ McCarthy. He seems like a mature guy. Fans love him. Um, not a prototypical guy, maybe more of the old NFL prototype guy. Uh, tell me all about him. He looks like a special a special player there. Yeah, you know, he's a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and he was one of the quarterbacks kind of, you know, you hear about it, the cliche response, but I think Jim Harbaugh genuinely fell in love with this kid. Um, you know, he, he's got all the intangible that, that, that I think Jim had, you know, as, as a college quarterback, a uh, tall, lanky kid who, who can make the throws, who can who isn't afraid, um, and, and he's really come in and, and – you know, it's weird. You know, Jim Harbaugh hasn't really played freshman quarterbacks a ton yet. He did so a couple of years ago with J.J. You know, he wasn't the starter, but he threw him in occasionally. And you could tell the seeds were kind of being planted for, for this to become the J.J. show. And that's exactly what happened last year. Uh, you know, he got thrown in the fire, won a quarterback competition over Cade McNamara, who took Michigan to a Big Ten championship in 2021. And ever since then, he's really had the keys to the offense. You know, he, he had his moments. Um, you know, he threw a couple of pick sixes in the – semifinal last year against TCU and it really costed Michigan the game. Uh, this year he's, he's kind of settled down. Uh, he did have a three interception game against Bowling Green. You you, throw, you saw him in the first play against Alabama nearly throw a pick, but you know, every time he makes a mistake, he does a good job of bouncing back. And it's something he's talked about a lot, you know, learning from his mistakes. Uh, and as you said, really mature young man, uh, handles himself well. And I think he's going to be a, a good future NFL quarterback. Washington has such a dynamic passing attack. How do you think Michigan's secondary will hold up? It's a good question. It's going to be a good test, and I don't think Michigan has faced a passing attack like this. You know, they've they've, they've, they've you know played decent quarterbacks before. They've seen some really good receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr. at, at Ohio State, but combined, I don't know. And, and I'm I'm really curious to see. You know, they they have a really good corner in Will Johnson, uh, sophomore All American. Um, you know, they, they brought in a transfer this offseason from UMass, Josh Wallace, who's held up relatively well, despite there being questions about his ability at, at, to play at this level. So it's going to be a test. Um, I, I will say this, Michigan secondary, uh, you know, has really been the backbone of his defense. You know, uh, I was talking about the front earlier. Um, it, it almost seems like whenever Michigan's in trouble or when, you know, they need a big play, uh, you know, down the stretch, the, the, defense, the secondary comes up big. I can think of that, that final drive against Ohio State where the Buckeyes were run it going down the field and Kyle McCord goes back and, and throws a pick. So um, they're going to be busy. It's probably going to be difficult. Uh, I expect a lot of five and six man backfields, but uh, there was ever, you know, a challenge. I, I think this is certainly going to be it. So Aaron Hayes and I were both sort of raised in the newspaper business and we were both beat writers once upon a time. And there's a special relationship between a beat writer and his coach. We all know that it's, a, it's an unusual relationship, right? But there's a relationship. What's it like covering Jim Harbaugh? Because he's obviously a great coach. Uh, he seems to be an odd cat from afar. Uh, what's he like? Yeah, it's a roller coaster. You know, we, we, we always joke, you know, in, in the beat writing contingent, you know, there's, there's kind of off-season Jim where he's, 
more relaxed and hold conversations with him. He'll joke with you. And then we get in season and he's all business. You know, he doesn't tell you much of anything. Uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, the personality kind of goes away and he goes into what, you know, what we call, you know, lockdown football mode. Uh, so he, he's an interesting guy. He's very intense, uh, hyper-competitive. Uh, you know, he, he lives and breathes football. And, and I generally mean that, you know, if he could coach football every day, all day for the rest of his life, he will do that. Uh, that that's kind of how he's built. That's his MO. Um, he is an interesting individual. Uh, you know, uh, people like to talk about quirky as he can be. Um, but you know, I've been around him now for, for five or six years. And, you know, one of the things I've learned is that his players really do appreciate his genuine genuineness. Um, you know, he, he goes to bat for them all the time. Uh, he, he lives and dies with them. And, and I think it's improved over the years too. And I, we heard a lot this season like from these players that are kind of graduating or getting close to leaving and, and how their opinions maybe of him have changed and how he has changed. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, he's taken more of a hands-off approach in the last couple of years. I can remember when he first got to Michigan, he was very, you know, hands-on with the, the offense. He was calling plays and everything else. Well, he's kind of backed away from that in previous years, given more responsibilities to assistant coaches and kind of become more of a GM. Uh, and it, it certainly, you know, paid dividends. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, what do you think his, his future is? What, what's your gut feeling mm-hmm. on, on where Jim Harbaugh is coaching next year? Yeah, it's a million dollar question right now. I, I'm getting it a lot. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to whether Jim gets an, gets an offer from the NFL team. You know, he's he's had conversations with, with NFL teams the last couple of years. He interviewed with the Vikings two years ago. He talked to the Broncos last year. But the one common deno- denominator in all that is he never got an offer. Right, so I, I, I think he, he's made it apparent that he wants to get back to the NFL. That remains the goal of his to, to try and win a Super Bowl because, you know, he got so close with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and you got to keep in mind too, the college football's changed. You know, even even since he's gotten in Michigan in 2014, you know, with the transfer portal and NIL, and you know, he's not getting any younger either. So um, I think if an offer comes in, he probably will leave. Um, he did hire an agent uh, last week, uh, which is really kind of the first time we've seen that happen since he's gotten to Michigan. So I, I think the intention is to, is to leave, um, but it's going to come down to whether an NFL franchise wants to hand him the keys to the car. Ah, so you think if he gets the offer, he'll go. I, I kind of agree with that, too. Final thing. All right, so they're about to win a national – they're on the cusp of a possible national championship. I think they're going to beat Washington, so that would be a title. Where would that one rank with the Michigan people? I mean, they won one back in the mm-hmm. 90s with Brian Greasy. They won a basketball one, we all know. But this almost feels like because of the controversy, Aaron, and because of all the stuff and us against the world and all that, this got to be way up there, right? I mean, this has got to be a great moment for given everything Michigan went through all these years. Am I reading that right? I mean, I'm not saying the best title they've ever won because they won a bunch of titles, but it's on the ballot, right? I, I don't think so. You hit on it. You know, it's been a long time since this, this program's won it all. Uh, and even in 97 when they did win it, you know, they, they shared that year with Nebraska. That was right. still the, the poll era. So uh, they would be, you know, un, unquestioned champs. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, given everything that's gone on this year, the the pair of suspensions with Jim Harbaugh, the, the, the sign-stealing stuff, the NCAA investigations, you know, they would have kind of thwarted all of that and, and still come out as, you know, as, as, as at the top of the mountain. You know, I, I can remember, you know, back in uh, just a couple of years ago, 2020, when there were a lot of folks around here in Ann Arbor, you know, questioning whether Jim Harbaugh was going to be the guy. You know, the program had kind of cratered. Uh, things weren't going so hot. Uh, Jim made, and to, to Jim's credit, he made some wholesale changes, both with the, the personnel, the players he brought in, and, and, and the coaches. Uh, and, and since then, it, it's really turned a corner. They, they dominated the Big Ten. They, they flipped the rivalry to Ohio State. So I have to think, especially with the younger, you know, the younger fans, you know, four year younger, this, this would certainly go down. It's, you know, probably probably one of the best ever. 
Aaron McMahon covering Michigan for the Ann Arbor News. Great work, Aaron. We appreciate it. All right, get your laundry done. You got to get back on the road, right? Good, good. Yes, sir. Yep. Hop on it real quick. Hey, thanks for spending some time, man. We know it's busy times for you. Good luck to the Wolverines. We sure appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right, Aaron McMahon from the Ann Arbor News. Interesting stuff to that your point. And he yeah. and he said, "Good, uh, good job, RJ. Thanks for tracking yeah. down Aaron for us." He said what you said that if the charge is offering the job, he's taking it. And why would he? But it's interesting. No, no, I hear you. Yeah. But it's interesting that there's no, there doesn't even see. This is the beat writer that really knows. Right. He's probably gone. I mean, yeah. isn't that interesting that, it, that, that it's that common knowledge, I suppose? It is because the only thing I can equate it to is Spurrier. Yeah, you knew, you knew. And you knew, but it was still like, it still was surprising when he actually said, oh, I am doing right. it now. Uh, and so you just, particularly when it's a guy, he's your guy. I mean, yeah. you know, he Harbaugh, that's his alma mater. And so it. It, it that tells me that he's gone, because I can't imagine he's not going to get an offer. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, unless again, unless he's asking for eighteen million a year, and Dean Spanos just simply isn't going to pay that. I can remember one time in the nineties, I asked Spurrier, Spurrier and Dennis Erickson were really good buddies, and Erickson was up for some job. He was up for a college job, Oklahoma or I don't know somewhere, Penn State, something. And and I said, uh, Steve, you think he's going to go? I said, Nah. He says, he's Dennis. Dennis will leave for the NFL. He said, I said, really? He's, yeah. He said, we've had that talk. He said, he said, he, he's not hit him on another college job. And two years later, he's in the NFL. So you, you kind of know the guy. And then later, Spurrier was. So you kind of know the guys that are. So I'll right, take a break. When we come back, Lauren rejoins us. One hour to go. We'll talk Jags and more. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. the program on a Wednesday brought to you by AC Design Company, Frank Frangie Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders. We don't pick one. What did we decide? Do we pick one more week? We don't pick again? Can you be caught? Oh, and you're asking me? Um, yeah, I say we should do them. Yeah, let's do one more week. We'll do more, one more I'm week. I'm trying to get to 90. Yeah. Like if it's you, like George is trying to get to 70, <laughs> you're trying to get to 90. Uh, we'll do uh, We'll do one more. We'll do one more week. We'll do picks tomorrow. We'll do one more pick. Uh, week full of picks. Uh, um, Tomorrow, just all, all the NFL games. Um, so no national championship game. No, we'll do that too. Yeah, let's do that too. Okay. We'll, do, we'll do a national championship game. Whatever you come up with, we'll do it. Um, for people that uh, have not kept up, um, we do know that Christian Kirk was on the practice field today. Trevor Lawrence was on the practice field today. Doug Peterson was asked about both. Both are day to day. I'm going to guess I'll play. Would that be your guess? I absolutely yeah. think I, so. I, I, I'm gonna, and again, all we're doing is. There's, that's not an inside information deal. That's reading the tea leaves based on press conferences and the like. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to guess they'll play, and I think that'd be a good thing. I, I think it'd be magnificent, even if it's, you know, just 30 snaps for Christian, you know, just to get him back out there. Again, I think the Jaguars. I would pick the Jaguars. I would actually pick the Jaguars even if Trevor and Christian were both inactive. You would? Uh, I would. I, I think they're going to – I think they're both going to play, and I think the Jaguars are going to win. But – I do think, obviously, if Trevor's active, he plays the whole game. You know, unless you get up by 28, and then you'd bring in CJ. But uh, but Christian's one that you could manage it a little bit more, uh, and that's one that I'll be I'll be interested in seeing. But 
you know, I, I would think Christian Kirk gives it a gives it a go, and and I would think, um, you know, I mean, normally he would play fifty five snaps. You know, I don't know that that he's going to be ready for that, but if he can give him thirty, I think it'd be magnificent. It'd be a big boost, and and I think I think they're both going to be active. Zay Jones was also a limited participant participant in practice today, and then good news along the offensive line: Ezra Cleveland and Walker Little were both full participants. So your injury report, if you look at the Jaguars tweeted out not too long ago, if you look at the Jaguars injury report as com- in comparison with the Titans, I mean, it's night and day. Starting to come together, Charlie. It's starting to come together. <laughs> a lot of talent on this team, Charlie. Hey, what um, um, so what do you do with the offensive line? Who plays who doesn't? What's your guess? I would say it's uh, Cam at left, and I would think – Ezra at left guard and Walker Little is the swing. That's what I would think. And Shatley is, you know. I would think that too. You know, I, I, were, I, I would think Ezra Cleveland will, will be. I would think Ezra Cleveland will be the left guard. Yeah, and and I would. I like the Cam Robinson Ezra Cleveland combo there. I I think that's got real potential. I and we haven't. They haven't played a single snap yet together, have they? I don't think. I don't so. think so. No. Uh, Obviously, Shatley played this past week, and then when Cam was ejected, Walker Little went in. But yeah, I don't think they've played together. I don't at think all. they have. And, but and Sheriff played a lot better this past yeah. week. Yeah. So hopefully, the line does play well. Yeah. So at least you, you hope that Cam and Ezra get you know a full game together uh, before Cleveland rolls in. So uh, yeah, I, I again, I'm I'm trying not to get overly optimistic, but I I do get a sense that the dominoes are starting to fall their way after a tough four-game losing skid. I, I, I think they're starting to get healthy, and the right things are now happening. The right guys are coming back. And, uh, you know, and, and again, hopefully you don't need Trevor to throw it 50 times. That's the other thing. Ideally, you will win this game somewhat similarly to Sunday's game against Carolina. Tennessee won't be as dreadful as Carolina was, but I don't think that they're – uh, light years better. And so, you know, stay devoted to the ground game, let ETN run, try and keep Trevor under 30 throws, and, uh, you know, and, and, and hope that defensively you should have an outstanding day. I mean, I, I don't think Derrick Henry is, is going to be a, a huge factor here. And, and they have nothing along the offensive line. Nothing. They can't pass protect at all. Uh, their quarterback doesn't even believe uh, if it, if it's Tannehill. Uh, I'm surprised Tannehill hasn't retired already. Um, <laughs> this and, week, and yeah, Levis just did just, not practice today. Yeah, so I think it's Levis didn't practice. Did not yeah, practice. so I don't think it's gonna be. I mean, Levis. he was carted off. It's not like he hobbled yeah. off on his own power. Right. I'm telling you, I'd rather see off. Levis a healthy Levis than a healthy Tannehill. I, the veteran quarterbacks concern me. One last game, one last game with the boys. I I, I wish Levis was. It sounds like. If he didn't practice, it's probably going to be Tannehill would be my guess. If he didn't I mean, obviously Wednesday. there's two more days uh, yeah. left to determine that. But, I mean, I, I think Tannehill would scare me more. But to Hayes' point, the offensive line has been in yeah. shambles. I'd season. rather have the guy – I'd rather be going against the quarterback that doesn't trust his line. Yeah, Like, no, Levis I, may not either. Right. But Levis is so young right. that I don't think he yeah. knows any better. Like, Tannehill does. And Tannehill publicly, publicly has said – these guys aren't giving me a chance, right. which I'm sure really endeared him right, for right, the offensive right. line. And now group. they're really going to yeah. protect yeah. him even more. Uh, yeah. The only injuries that are have been concerning as of late have been the special teams ones. Daniel Thomas, the gunner, 
And of course, Jamal Agnew, not just a receiver, but also the re- the great returner. Both of them gone for the season. That those are, I think, are certainly challenges for when you get in the postseason. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, one thing, what you can't do is go up there and be sloppy. Uh, look, look. Here's what I will tell you: I think the Jags are going to win the game. If the Jags don't turn it over, I'll guarantee they're going to win the game. I I feel better. I feel I think maybe guarantee is the wrong word, but I I feel better about a Jags win. If they don't turn it, I mean, just play a clean game. Yeah, don't 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 give any. A, Tennessee has only taken the ball away twelve times yeah. this year from their opponents. Right. So so don't turn it over. Don't miss field goals. Don't throw in. Inter- yeah, I I'm I I believe if the Jags play a clean game, it's still a five win team you're playing. And now look, it's a rival again. I, it's a, the Titans weren't very good last year either. They lost a bunch of games in the season. Yet they almost came in here with Joshua Dobbs and won the game. Yeah. So so but Dobbs is better. The perception of Dobbs he's be, he's better is better thought. today than it was that I agree. night. I agree. And he played well that game. Yeah. He played pretty well that game. So, so we'll see. Don't get up there. Don't be sloppy up there and see what happens. Speaking of the Titans, do you believe there's anything to the Vrabel to the Patriots stuff? It's so hard to pull that stuff off. That's the thing that's tricky is I, you have to figure out compensation. Would New England want to do that? I, so it's, it seems like a long shot for me that that's going to happen. I mean, if I was Tennessee, I wouldn't want to get rid of Rabel. I mean, I, you know, but, but I, I hear the things about he doesn't get along well with the GM. To me, that would be a GM problem, a, a Carthon problem, not a Vrabel problem. But it's Carthon in but his first year. It is. And, but, he, and uh, Amy Adams, Sistrunk, yeah. targeted Carthon. Correct. But I think, I think in that instance, good ownership would pull them in and say, okay, this is Mike's team, right. and you're working under – Mike's discretion you know if there's a tie Mike's making the call uh and uh you know and we'll see how they handle it look I mean we see franchises are mismanaged all the time so but I think they'd be making a mistake to trade variable which is basically what would have to happen so yeah I'm sure Kraft if you know I'm, I'm sure Kraft would love it but are you I mean, what are you gonna be I mean the Patriots have a litany of roster issues you're gonna give up draft capital to bring in a head coach when there's a hundred other coaches that you could easily hire. It just, you know, to me, I don't know that that New England's going to go that route. Won't it be McDaniel back to New England if Belichick's gone? I, I, I don't, I don't think so. The fact that he's gotten coaching interest already is, is yeah. Impressive. I, I don't, I, I think if the, I think I wouldn't hire him to wash my car. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think. I think if, I think if Belichick does leave, and I'm now starting to think there's more chance of that than I thought before. I think they would have to. I think Mike Vrabel's the kind of guy that Robert Kraft would have some interest in. Now, do you trade? Do you? How do you do it? That's the but, thing. But I. But I would think because we're not talking six round pick. No, no. That's I right. mean, it's going to be pricey. Yeah, but I. That's I why would, you never see it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I would think, but the only thing that would make it a little less pricey is if the is if the Titans want to move on. Right. If Rand Carthon wants to move on, and it's it's it's. It's a deal that everybody wants to do. If it's a deal the Patriots want, the Vrabel wants, and the Titans would like to move on from him, then I think the price comes down a bit. From a Jaguars I, perspective, bye. Yeah, I totally I mean, agree. Totally I agree. I hope that Enjoy that's the ins- I hope that that's accurate because yeah. if it is, what it tells me is that Tennessee is no longer interested in winning, Absolutely. and and so that would be magnificent. Uh, so you know we'll see. Uh, it, it it's gonna the NFL coaching the college coaching carousel was very tepid this year. The NFL one, I think, is going to be pretty spicy. And there is yeah, a chance if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, 
Watch the dominoes that that sets off because it actually could turn what's been a tepid college coaching carousel. Who would go there? I think Brian Kelly. Really? Yeah. That, I, I heard that too. And geographically, it makes he's from Michigan. So geographically, it makes sense. He started his career at Central Michigan. Would probably love to end his career in Michigan. But boy, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? If if Harbaugh goes to the Chargers, Brian Kelly goes to Michigan. Well, that then it does get interesting. Yeah, because then because then because now LSU's open in like the and, middle of January and a great job. It's no longer Jimbo, by the way. Sorry, Jimbo, you're not right. a fired guy. Yeah. Would LSU hire Billy Napier to come back to well, the state of we, Louisiana? We're not that lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say probably not, Lauren. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm guessing here. Um, but uh, but uh, would would they run make a run at Kiffin's the question. I think you'd have to make a run at Kiffin. I think you'd have to make a run at Mike Norvell. Yeah, would you think, huh? Would Nor- I would think. I wonder if one good year at FSU would make Norvell a hot I don't know that he'd be plan A. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't but, know that. I think he'd. And number, I mean, I think Mike Norvell's got to have another good year there before he's a hot, a hot candidate there. I, I but that boy, it, it, it's interesting to say the very least, wouldn't it be? Yeah. I, uh, but I, I'm interested. I, I think Vrabel, to, to Lawrence born a minute ago, I think Vrabel's good. I think Vrabel's I think he's good. excellent. Hey, uh, what did you think of the uh, David Tepper beer throw? Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, obviously he's a clown. It's, it's, he, it's really embarrassing for the league how the whole thing happened. His statement was atrocious. I mean, his statement I, was told I mean, they wrote it for him. I, says read this. That's yeah, I mean, it's he's obviously surrounded by a litany of of yes men and women, and I uh, it, it's I I feel bad for Bryce Young. I feel bad for the Panthers fans uh, because they're in for what appears to be twenty years of misery. Uh, because I mean, the guy doesn't know football. He's he's way too temperamental. You can't. You're way too old to be throwing drinks at fans. You know, everybody's got a camera these yeah. days. Right. Everybody knows who you are. Right. You know, if you, if you don't like the way a fan is talking to you, yeah. go somewhere else, you know, leave the box, close the window, you know, or just laugh it off. You know, if you just yeah. laugh it off, you, it, as soon as you stop giving them ammunition, you know why they keep doing it? Because they see it's bothering you, you know? So if you just laugh it off and, you know, then they're probably going to stop, you know, and if they don't stop and it's bothering you, leave, leave the room, you know, be a grown up. You can't throw your drink. I mean, the, it, it was, it was poorly handled on all fronts. I mean, the NFL didn't do a good job with it. He's a new owner. So I'm sure that there was, you know, some, what do we do here? And, and what's, what's the best course of action, but, uh, but he's, he's an embarrassment and he's going to continue to be an embarrassment. And uh, he's, it's, it's probably going to be 20 years of, bad football and bad management for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I guess it happened right after Bryce Young threw that pick, and so that's what kind of set him off the edge. But, I mean, $300,000 to him is, is literally nothing. He has $20 billion. So I don't know that the NFL did enough to adjust his behavior. He's going to throw a drink <clears throat> the next time he wants to. Yeah, one thing I've learned is grown-ups that act like eighth graders are going to keep acting like eighth graders. That's one thing you know. And he uh, and you're right, he's worth $20 billion. So what does he care? That, that he's got – that's – Pocket change for him. So, uh, uh, but you're right. Grown up is the right right phrase, and probably gotten gotten his way. He got away with whatever he wanted to do. Scott Fowler, the columnist who's an old buddy of mine, uh, a really good columnist in Charlotte. I didn't read it because it was behind a paywall, and I'm probably not going to pay for the Charlotte Observer. <laughs> but he, but he, but I would love to have written it, read it, because he said his his tweet when he tweeted about his column. Did you read it? No. When you read it, he, his tweet was, so and so said. That David, every time someone tells David Tepper what he didn't want to hear, 
he fires him, well, I'm going to tell him. He said, I would have loved to read oh, the yeah. column that I didn't, again, it was behind a paywall. Well, Tepper, I knew Tepper was an utter fraud like two years ago. And what's your buddy's name? Scott? Scott Fowler. Scott. I think it was Scott Fowler. He's so, a columnist in Charlotte. So Tepper is at the podium. It was maybe like an end-of-season press conference. Yeah. And he's asked a very fair question. And he gives a double side, which I've never seen in a press conference. <laughs> like, he's asked the question, I think, from Scott Fowler. And he says, <sighs> double sides. Right, right. I've never seen anybody do that. And, and then he says, you know, I read your column. And you're any, you know, any that kind was Scott. of. That was Scott. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you remember the instance I'm talking I about? Do, I do. I mean, anyone I who double side, size yeah. in a press conference right. is an idiot. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> Fowler is a great columnist. He's he's well known, well known columnist. He he was on the beat when Stroud, me, Dooley, Bianchi. I mean, all, yeah. all, we had a pretty good we had a pretty good yeah. group of beat guys, yeah. you know. So uh, so back in the day. So, but I, I didn't read it, but I would have loved to have read it. I'll take a break. More in a moment. Ten ten two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on ten ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an AC Designs Wednesday on the Frangie Show. Brought to you by AC Designs, voted best AC and heating company in Jacksonville. So I uh, read about this video the other day. Oh, yeah? I did. I read about it. I was curious. I didn't know if. Um, Obviously, she was a plant. Right. You know, she did, Courtney, Cox. Courtney Cox didn't happen to just be at the concert. Right. So, but um, she auditioned for it because she was this big Springsteen fan. Thought she had no chance to get it. Didn't know until like right before that she was picked. And so um, she still talks about what a bad dancer she is. But it <laughs> launched her career. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, it really launched Courtney Cox's career. Yeah. But I, I remember, you remember when the video came out? Oh, absolutely. It was a sen- sensation. And I remember thinking, man, she's really cute. Yeah. Isn't it something that he picked her? Right. You know? And then later you learned it plant the whole time. Yeah. She had a, a great, like, girl next door right. vibe, which right. fit in perfectly with the theme of the song, the theme of the video, uh, Springsteen's aura. You know, it just it, it and and she's so charmingly awkward right. when he pulls her that, up there. That's right. And she's sort of like giggling and dancing yeah. and can't. But she you know, looked like she couldn't believe it. You know, couldn't that, that, believe that was it. the idea. Yeah, you've seen the video, right? Maybe a long time ago. Okay, you you know you know the not story. nearly as good videos as Hazel. But you know the story. He's 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 in concert, and then at the end he puts his hand out. Yeah, he wants, says, "Hey, baby." Hey, baby, and, yeah. and, and for one of the fans to jump up on stage with him. And she goes, oh, like, oh, my God. And then right. she jumps up, and then she didn't. She, Courtney Cox and Bruce Springsteen are dancing on stage. Well, at the time, I don't, I don't know. I'm an idiot. What it was the I first know? time anybody had ever seen her. Yeah, right. So I just thought it was like a real concert. Yeah. And they caught the, he just happened to get this really cute girl. Right. And then the story came out. It was they, they, you knew more about the whole video thing than I did. I don't know. But I, I mean, it was the '80s. I was drunk every day in the '80s. So, but I mean, I just, uh, the, but but I, but but they they just popped her up on stage, and apparently they they cast for it, and they yeah. got her. And that's and, interesting that they had like uh, that that significant of an audition, because there, I mean, yeah. there's there's no she, I mean, there's no speaking. I mean, she just basically has to look like she's surprised, and then get up there and and yeah. dance with Bruce. And, but the story was she she auditioned not because not because she was looking to get a not because she was looking for a break. Nobody she just wanted thought, to meet Bruce. She wanted to meet Bruce. That's awesome. I mean, not you know. I mean, I th- I thought you would think. Well, she's she, anything. Her agent says anything you can do. 
yeah. to get into the movie. Because, I mean, this is probably, that video came out, I want to say, in 84. Probably. And well, Friends well, well, probably didn't start until Well, the Born, in the, U- the Born in the USA album was 84. And it was yeah. on the Born in the USA album. I mean, so the Friends talk- started in 94. So, so this they, is 10 wow. years before Friends. How about that? Now, that yeah. I would not have guessed. Me neither. Yeah. Because I knew she'd done some movies before Friends. So I knew she'd done some things between yeah. the video and Friends. But I didn't realize it was a full decade. How about that? So there you go. She kind of looks, I'm looking at a picture, she kind of looks like Demi Moore in the video. Does she have short hair in the video? Kind of, yeah, yeah, she yeah, does. Real, yeah. Real, yeah. So that reminds yeah, a me real, of Demi Moore. A real thin Demi Moore. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, a little bit like, yeah, in the video she did. She had the sleeveless t-shirt, mm-hmm. right? She had a sleeveless yeah. t-shirt and the jeans. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, I read all about it. There you go. That's so what, she probably would never have been on Friends without that break? Uh, well, that I don't know. Said, she, says, well, though. she ended up doing Scream. Scream was huge. Right. And I think Scream came out before she was on Friends. Yeah. Because Friends was supposed to be her show. And oh. then she said- oh, I didn't know that. That's what I read, is that she was supposed to be the star of Friends. And it was her idea to make it more of an ensemble. And if I'm wrong, Friends fanatics can <laughs> yeah. I'll say certainly- this. Tell I'll me I'm wrong, but I never, that's what it, I never watched. I'm pretty it sure all that's much. the story of Friends. I never watched it all that much. That's a good show, but but it was a iconic sitcom. Oh, I yeah. mean, I mean, it is if you listed the ten iconic sitcoms, I mean, I mean, Mash and the original Dick Van Dyke right. show and Cheers. Seinfeld and Cheers, yeah. it's on the list. Absolutely, it's. I mean, it's on the list of iconic. You probably would get to it. Yeah, by five or six. Yeah, yeah, think. you really, you really would. I mean, it was an iconic, iconic sitcom. So um, so, so there you go. Uh, I mean, it's no Joni loves Chachi. Well, Joni loves Chachi. Don't don't yeah. don't dog on Joni now. Just, uh, <laughs> by the way, you know, I was the one guy that in in my age in the seventies that didn't watch Happy Days. Really? Yeah, because I didn't watch Happy Days because it was on the exact same, same time as all is a is a one day at a time. Oh wow! And I was oh, relatively yeah, yeah. convinced that I would one day wind up with Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> I wasn't sure how I was going to get there, but I yeah. had a I had a plan. You had a plan. At some point, Valerie Burton. I mean, is it bad that back then I could tell you like her parents' name, <laughs> her brother's name? Isn't that awful? Isn't that just pathetic? You had all the icebreakers. Uh, oh, I had it all. Yeah. Disposal. If I ever met her, yeah. Hey, you how's Drew? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all. I had, I had it all figured out. So so there so there was that. Hey, um. By the way, did Bruce Springsteen ever appear on Friends? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, not that I, I think he might be the only celebrity on <laughs> the, the, planet Earth. Did, didn't, <laughs> but I don't did, remember. No, I feels like he should have repaid the favor. That would be hilarious yeah. had they ever yes. like, done that. Yeah. Right. That really would have. Yeah. You know, remember when you were in a concert back in, right. back in the day? Like yeah. if, like, uh, what was her character on Friends? Monica. Courtney? Monica. If Monica was, like, for whatever reason, doing, like, karaoke at <laughs> right. Central Park. That would be hilarious. And then, like, yeah. Springsteen's. Yes. <laughs> that, like, it's so easy right. to write. That, yeah. yeah. That would be fun. It would have been fun. Uh, speaking of uh, Central Park in New York, what happens to Zach Wilson now? I think he'll be Rodgers' backup. I I think they you don't think they're gonna, they're not going to move on from him. I don't think because I mean I, I mean I say he's cheap. He, he, it's not like he's but he is cheap. He, he's fairly cheap. Uh, and uh, I I think I I get the sense they like him. I don't get the sense that they view him as some like spoiled brat who doesn't work. You know I I. It feels like that he's got the support, uh, and he did play. Look, he was the player of the week just like four or five weeks ago before he got the concussion. So, you know, maybe it makes some sense to, you know, if he ever got to watch Rodgers do it for a full year, the problem is now he's going to be at the end of his deal. Mm-hmm. So he's going to watch Rodgers all year, and he's going to be a free agent. Um, 
you know, and, and, you know, who knows if, if, if what would happen with him there, but to answer your question, I, I get the sense he's going to be Rogers backup yeah. is it will be the plan. In reading what Robert Sala said today, he didn't say we definitely want Zach Wilson back next year as the backup. It was more like, Oh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And so that could be him just deferring or deflecting to the GM, but I get the sense that, that they might want to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it didn't work. You know, it didn't. And I, the, the odd thing about that was, and I was wrong about that. I thought he'd be pretty good. I didn't think he'd be Trevor, but I thought he'd be a pretty good player. I, I thought big arm, athletic as heck. You know, when a guy, he's not, he's not big, but he's the same thing all the other ones are. He's got a rifle arm and he's, he can run. Mm-hmm. I would have, he just never yeah, turned he had out. like, what, a 70 yard touchdown yeah, run against yeah. the Jaguars yeah, in that game? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, I thought he, I thought he'd be better. So, all right, we'll take a break. Lauren's going to wrap the program in news and notes right after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Frank, in the break, you got the news you've been waiting for for decades. Well, there's no question. My friend Ken sent me this. Ken, thank you for this. Ken sent me this text. You'll be happy to know that one of my sons that lives in L.A., worked on one of Valerie Bertinelli's cooking shows. He said she was very nice and let him take home the dishes that she cooked. If he works with her again, I'll tell him to put in a good word for you. <laughs> Ken, thank you. Please do. I'm available. I'll make myself available. My so, wife. That's one my wife would understand. Yeah. You got to you gotta have to get out of jail card yeah, free, right? That, hall pass, that's right? one. The hall pass, I'd have that one. So, yeah, so I, I is dev- he now your idol because he's had Valerie Bertinelli's cooking? <laughs> I'm, he, well, and actually, his dad is my buddy. And so uh, his dad's not my idol. Okay, so <laughs> so uh, yes, I'm very jealous. Again, I, I I had the plan. I, it was gonna be yeah. we were gonna you know listen. I I mean I I was gonna be I was gonna be like the L.A. Times beat writer for the Dodgers, right? While she pursued yeah. her far less important uh, <laughs> TV career. So yeah. there's that. If it wasn't for that dang Eddie Van Halen. Dang it, Eddie! Eddie beat me to it. Those rock stars are. Yeah. If you're not busy Sundays at 11:30, that's when Valerie's home cooking appears. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know she had a home cooking. Food Network. I did not know that. Well, we know. Where well, you know be. what? Kind of changed my life a little bit right there. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you're not busy most Sundays. That's no, all no, season. that's exactly right. All right, uh, we we talked about Christian Kirk a couple times throughout the show. Ian Rappaport tweeted this out earlier today, and it's the stats for Trevor Lawrence with and without Christian Kirk. With Christian Kirk, Trevor. Total wins and losses, eight and four, almost 68% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, seven picks. Without Christian Kirk, 0-3 is the record, 57.4% completion, five touchdowns, five picks. How about that? And so that's a, we all knew it. That number even just uh, underscores it, doesn't it? We all know he's critically important to this football team, critically important. I'm so glad that there's a chance he'll be back on Sunday. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was great to see the videos from the media out there today at practice, uh, you know, tweeting out Christian Kirk running around and, and doing the drills while the media was was able to watch for 15 minutes. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, he's able to, to round into form. And, again, even if it's just 30 plays, I mean, just – He's just such an important presence, I think, for, I mean, either quarterback, but certainly, you know, the, the numbers that Lauren pointed out are, are striking for Trevor Lawrence. So, man, it would be just fantastic if he was able to, to give them, you know, those snaps against the Titans. Uh, and I, I think if Christian Kirk plays, that's one where I really do think that lifts up the offense. Like, that's one where if he is back and he is active – 
and, and leading the team out there, I, I think that does wonders for the, for the other 10 guys in the huddle. Trevor Lawrence did not throw during at least the open portion of today's practice open to media. If he doesn't throw again tomorrow, at what point do you start to get concerned? Yeah, I, uh, I don't think he's got to throw tomorrow or Friday to play in the game. I, um, he's thrown plenty. I think if he, if he doesn't play in the game, it's because because he's not healthy enough to play in the game. But I, I, I would. It's a good question though, because it, same question that she just asked me. Hayes is a good one. If he doesn't throw tomorrow, and doesn't throw on Friday, are you convinced he won't play? I don't think he has to throw. I mean, I, I, I he, he's already thrown a ton this season anyway. So I mean, I, I think that that may even be the plan. Is you know really to have it be a very light, if at all throwing session in any of the practices uh, and then, you know, let him continue to heal. You know, I, a lot of that's going to obviously be the feedback from medical, but, but my guess would be really, really limit the throws. The last thing you want is any kind of setback. He's probably still in the stage of this where a setback could happen. So you want every hour of recovery that he can have before he's <clears throat> got to let it loose uh, and then I think on Sunday he he lets it loose. I, I don't think I don't think Trevor Lawrence has to throw to be on point Sunday. I I think he's played enough with these guys from a timing standpoint. I I'm sure Doug Peterson is is going to conjure up a game plan in which at least early on there's some high percentage throws just to sort of get him in a groove and kind of let him see how his shoulder is responding. Uh, and, and again, it's going to be an intriguing chess match because if you're Vrabel and you're Tennessee, you're probably going to crowd the line early. And if Trevor is fully healthy, you run the risk of you're going to get burned over the top because if Trevor is, is, doesn't have any boundaries to what he can do and you do play very tight thinking it's going to be a very short to intermediate passing game plan, you know, and there goes Calvin Ridley for 75 on the first play of the game, you know, your your sideline's pretty deflated and when you've had the season they've had, two and seven in your last nine, you know, you may not be able to come out of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think what scares you, Derrick Henry is always a threat, and DeAndre Hopkins. Both of them have eclipsed a thousand yards this season. And D Hop is always somebody who you have to be aware of at all times, no matter who the quarterback is. He's always really good. So those are the, the two I would say biggest weapons for the Titans. Everyone's asking what's wrong with the Eagles. Well, here are some stats for you. In their last seven games, they've allowed 150 rushing yards per game, and they've given the ball away 11 times. Wow. To turn it over and let the other guy run on you. That's the formula. Uh, in the, isn't that surprising? They look like the most physical team in the league until poof they weren't. Yeah. It can change fast. Uh, you know, the Colts sort of went through that. You know, they went from being dominant offensive line to then it really struggled. They seem like they've kind of found their form, but – yeah, and looking at Tennessee, the numbers are just awful. I mean, awful. They've given up 63 sacks or 62 sacks on the season, excuse me, and they've only generated defensively 12 takeaways. You're just, I mean, almost th with those two numbers, it's almost amazing they've won five games. Uh, and, you know, again, not that that's anything to write home about, but uh, they have been dreadful. There is not a lot to, to like about this Tennessee team, particularly with Jeffrey Simmons being on injured reserve. Speaking of the NFL, we didn't talk about this last week because we weren't here, but the ending of the Cowboys-Lions game with the whole who reported as eligible, who didn't, and the Brad Allen officiating crew bearing the, the brunt of a lot of the blame. But then the NFL yesterday sent out a video reminding players that they actually bear the burden of ensuring they have reported as eligible receivers. So is this going to be cleaned up? 
Yeah, well, it's got to be. The whole officiating thing's got to it's, it's worse than it's ever been. Uh, the guys are over-officiating. And that play, by the way, I think Brad Allen heard him wrong. I think I think it was 68 said he was 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 um, eligible, and, and and Allen thought he heard 70. I think he I think he was half paying attention. I think he heard eligible and looked up and saw 70, and thought that's who it was because he was on the he wasn't on the short side of the line. He wasn't on the unbalanced side. I think it was a complete gaffe by the official. Complete official gaffe. Yeah, I'm gonna take up for the ref here, uh, and and be like I guess the only guy in the country that does it. Um, you can't send two guys in to do that. It's, and they really had three. Yeah, so that was the – they were trying to make it so that by sending multiples, the uh, opponent – know to cover. Correct. Wouldn't, and, and so the, the official is, is never going to go along with that kind of a game. The last thing the officials want to be is a pawn in the strategic right. gameplay of how it worked. So if Dan Campbell wants to, you know – do it the right way from now on and only have one player go tell the official, hey, I'm reporting as eligible, then it, a lot of this clears up. So in the moment, it it looked in, like an incredible error. But the more that you hear from people that are on the officiating side of it, it makes more sense that, look, you can't, you can't incorporate a referee into your gamesmanship. And I think that was Dan Campbell's mistake. And the referee is going to acknowledge who's eligible. Like they're all, even if you try and confuse the defense, the referee, the official is still going to come across the microphone and say, for instance, for the Jags, number seventy-three is eligible. So, I don't understand why Dan Cumble thought that he was going to confuse the defense. Uh, one final football note: this is in regard to Florida football. Scooby Williams entered the transfer portal. The linebacker. And cornerback Jason Marshall actually will return. Most people thought he'd be headed to the draft, but didn't have as good of a season. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad he's back. I don't think he's a very good player, but I think maybe he'll play a veteran. You need more old guys. I'm feeling on that. You need more 22- and 23-year-old guys. I've always said that, so I'm glad he's coming back. Scooby Wim's an okay player. I, I think he's, again, I'd rather have him there because you need older guys, but he's just an okay guy. Yeah, I thought Scooby Williams, once, once Shamar James was injured – it really showed how ineffective Scooby Williams is. I think I think he got a lot of his early season success because of the presence of Shamar James. So uh, you know we'll see what what happens with him uh, in terms of Jason Marshall. I mean this is the greatest news Carson Beck could have ever gotten. Uh, so <laughs> not you know, that he needed any more good right, news. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think Jason Marshall has a lot to prove. That's the one thing I'll say. I think he will play with a chip on his shoulder because he has talent. We know that. He just had a, like we said, a, a very rough season. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is it was so great to see Christian Kirk out on the field today and seeing the videos that the Jaguars media was reporting out there. Uh, it just is going to be such a boost for this offense and for the team in general if Christian Kirk is able to play Sunday. But at the very least, I think they can beat the Titans without Christian Kirk. So what it tells me is, okay, he may, maybe he doesn't play Sunday. I think he does, but maybe he doesn't play Sunday. But what this tells me is he will absolutely play when the Browns roll in here wild card weekend. I can't imagine that two weeks worth of practice and he wouldn't be active for the Cleveland game. So I think the Jaguars beat the Titans with or without Christian Kirk but great seeing him out there today because I think it guarantees he's going to be available for the tournament. 
Yeah, and I'll say my takeaway is something Hayes referred to earlier when Doug Peterson met with the media today. He said that he's not even talking about playoff scenarios with his team. He's only talking about the yeah. fact that the Jaguars have to beat the Titans in order to make the playoffs, and that is the right mentality. Look, they were in this situation a year ago. Beat the Titans, and you're in. That game obviously was here at Everbank Stadium. This time it's up in Nashville. But it's so incredibly important for the team to have the right mindset. And we'll see who plays quarterback like we just discussed. But if they can win with C.J. Beathard, then all the more power to them. Because at that point in time, you've got Trevor Lawrence rested for another extra week. But uh, it's a high-stake game, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys will both be up in Nashville. Uh, Stay warm and and pack a rain jacket. All right. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Winning in, Baloo. Huh? Winning in. Oh, yeah. You got to win and you're in. Got to love this league. Yeah. Oh, I like the, the works. Jaguars. I, I, think, I think you're fine. You're going to, they've, got, they've won five games. I think oh. Trevor, there's a chance Trevor plays. There's a chance Christian Kirk plays. What do you think? Yeah, and Tennessee's really beaten up. I mean, yeah. look at the injury report today. This is as good as it's been for quite some time uh, for Jacksonville. And, and two of them on there, actually three of them on there, are, you know, you're just hoping to get them back. And I, I think there's a real good chance with, with Trevor Kirk and, uh, and Zay Jones. I, I was really surprised at how bad Tennessee was against Houston. They've really played hard this last month. I right. mean, they've lost every game, but like a possession, won an overtime. They won a big road game as well. So I don't know what to make of them. Um, you know, there's reports today that Rabel is feuding with Rand Carthon. So yeah, maybe this is it. And, and that's, that's the best-case scenario for Jacksonville. You go in there and really lay a number – and beat him, you could kick Mike Vrabel out of this division. Yeah. Okay? And I, you know, I don't want to see anyone lose a job, but Mike Vrabel's going to be fine. He's going to land on his feet. He may be the next coach of the New England Patriots. I mean, he's going to end up somewhere. I just think he's a really good coach. I'd love for Jacksonville to be able to do what Houston did, really crush Tennessee, and and hopefully they're in search of a new coach. How do you feel about DJ Uyunglele? You know, I, he's <sighs> – I actually watched him play quite a bit this year, uh, late at night at Oregon State. I, I think he's got a chance. He uh, fumbles the ball. You know, his percentage is not all that good. It's just a smidge over 57%. I, I think there was less pressure on him way out there in, uh, you know, Corvallis uh, compared to playing at Clemson. Um, certainly, I think it's much better for Florida State than than what they had with Brock Glenn. And, you know, I'm real high on this youngster coming out of Savannah, but he's a true freshman, so right. – I think he gives them a much better chance now to win games than, you know, let's say a week ago. Coming up tonight. We got a lot tonight. It can be a lot of fun. Uh, absolutely. The latest on the Jags. Got a little bit of college football to mix in as well. Uh, we'll check the money uh, from our good friend, uh, the Philly Godfather, John Osher, stopping by. So we should be jam-packed here over the next two hours. All right. Thank you. Into the night. Uh, that comes up right now. Folks, that'll do it for our program. Remember, tomorrow now, 2 to 4. Still 2 to 4 on Thursdays here in studio. And we'll turn it over to our friends from Jaguars Happy Hour and the Doug Peterson Show. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.